Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast, a weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Awards Radar podcast, where we're going to be discussing the only thing on people's minds today, video games. Well, I mean, the Emmys are kind of a big deal, but you're listening to two people who don't watch a ton of TV, so... Um, we agree with everything you agree with and everything that bothered you bothered us as well. Let's go with that for a while. Yeah, just know just know that whatever your opinion is, you are right and we agree yeah, yeah. with you. Except for that one where you're crazy, but you know. Yeah, what are you what are you exactly. thinking with that one? Jesus. Um, Steve is probably going to or at least is working on getting the uh, awards radar TV team to do a, an, a like a bonus episode about it. So, if that works out, you'll hear it. If you don't hear it, it didn't work out or uh, you missed it. You weren't paying enough attention. There we go. It happened either way. Um, as for that, it's just Miles and I today. Hello, Miles. Hello. And uh, as promised, there'll be uh, a video game. Basically, most of the podcast will be about video games. Though we're going to talk a little bit more about Thor because Miles saw Thor. Um, let's kick it off with a question first. And we'll ease our way into... Um, the video game chatter. So we have one that I forgot to do last week that was actually on the website. So that's always uh, another spot you can leave questions. Um, that person is, I'm going to credit them. Just give me one moment. But they're asking a showdown of their top tens from 1997 versus 2007. I'm sorry, 1999 and 2007, two of their favorite movie years, which is kind of cool thing to do. Um, feel free to do this people. We, uh, we're totally fine with answering questions about things you like. Um, just leave your name so we can credit you um, as I look up who they are. Um, they are Brian H. Thank you, Brian H. So their number 10s are Being John Malkovich and Gone Baby Gone. Um, I really like both of these movies, but being John Malkovich is a bona fide classic. Gone Baby Gone is just a very, very good crime thriller that's more of a portent of things to come from director Ben Affleck. Hmm. Interestingly, I think being John Malkovich is my least favorite Spike Jones. Still good. Still very good. Um, Gone Baby Gone moves around on my Affleck rankings a lot. Um, in a good way. I just, I, I think all, aside from live by night. I think everything he's done has been great. So uh, I'll go Gone Baby Gone. So we split there. Number nines, The Straight Story and The Savages. Straight Story is the David Lynch one, right? About the guy on the tractor? Yeah, yeah it's the G-rated David Lynch movie. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Um, but I have seen The Savages, which is very good. Uh, so that's an easy decision for me. Yeah, I saw The Straight Story a long time ago. I remember it being solid, but I was a little bored. Uh, it was college, so this is not 15 years ago at minimum. Uh, the Savages, I don't love, but is good. It's an acting clinic. There's no way around that. So uh, I'll go that way. Um, number eight, Bringing Out the Dead versus Michael Clayton. Ooh, two good ones as well. Uh, Michael Clayton is definitely worth watching for the performances. Um, but outside of that, it's maybe not as memorable as you would think it would be. Um, Bringing Out the Dead is, I think, one of Scorsese's kind of more underrated films, and it's got a really great, really unhinged Nicolas Cage performance at the center of it. So classy, unhinged Nicolas Cage. I can't vote for anything else. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go Bringing Out the Dead as well. They're, 
I don't know what people wanted out of Bringing Out the Dead because it was Paul Schrader and Scorsese. It was Nicolas Cage when he was still pretty much an A-lister. This is this is right around, I think, uh, this is right after Con Air. Uh, give or take. Yeah, yeah like he was he was commanding big bucks for you know action movies at the time, and it wasn't like oh he has unusual taste in like film projects just yet, or at that stage of his career. He hadn't he hadn't started a tear down yet. So this was like a huge deal that, that this movie was the way it was, was coming out the way it was. Um, it's good. I, I do think it could be better. I'm still going to go with it though, because I never quite fell in love with Michael Clayton the way everyone else did. I like it, but I, I kind of was just like solid three stars when everyone was falling over themselves for it. So I'll take the, the, I guess bring out the Des more ambitious, the ambition of that film. This one's going to be hard. Number seven, election versus once. Interesting. Um, I saw election once, I think when I was in college and I liked it, but I never quite got into like the raves about it. I probably need to give it another look because it's been a while. Um, Once I absolutely adore. I think it's got like such a good soundtrack and very charming lead performances. And it's, it's just one of those pleasant little indies where you leave it with a big smile on your face. So once all the way. Um, I like Election more than you do, but I will also go Once, because Once is an absolute delight. Just stupendous. Um, number six is an interesting one. Uh, Three Kings versus Taxi to the Dark Side. What's Taxi to the Dark Side? Oh, it's a documentary. Um, I believe I, I saw it in college, so I'm going to actually Google to give you a better... Well, this, well, this uh, is a good portent that we have to Google it. Um... Well, it's, it's, it's Alex Gibney. It's... Um, there was a, basically a uh, taxi driver who was murdered by American soldiers. I was just looking up like to not get a million things wrong about it. Uh, the December 2002 killing of an Afghan taxi driver named Dilawar was beaten to death by American soldiers while being held in extrajudicial detention interrogated at Bagram Air Base. Um, so, you know, an upper. Okay. Well, I haven't seen it or indeed even heard of it, so I'm not going to pick that. But um, Three Kings is really good. I mean... Yeah. The David O. Russell discourse has been sort of hot and fiery since the release of the Amsterdam trailer. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, there's a lot to be said about how much of a piece of shit he is. But taking that aside, Three Kings is a very entertaining movie. Yeah. Um, Taxi to Darkside won the Oscar for documentary. Um, It's hard to pick it, though. It's it's, it's a well-made film, but it just leaves you hating society. Um, Three Kings is very entertaining. I'll go with it. And I kind of second what you said. Um, yeah, when it comes to David O. Russell, I think you just have to decide whether you can't deal with it because he's a scummy dude or it's, you know, I can I can like something he does in, in spite of his presence. And I think there's a fair amount of people on both sides at this point. And, you know, there there are just filmmakers like that. There always have been. There always will be. We just now are sort of paying attention to that as opposed to leaving that part out of the equation. So right. you know, however, however you feel about him is however you feel about him. And uh goes back to what we said at the beginning of the podcast. Like, you're not wrong. Like, no one, anyone who tells you, like, you can't be annoyed or upset about someone's actions is wrong. And anyone who tells you, 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 you know, can't see the movie because of them is, is on the wrong side, at least, I'll tell you. Like, they're not, like, full on wrong. But I, I just, I don't, I don't get the, the baby with the bathwater thing for most parts. But if you don't want to support someone, that's totally valid. Number five, I don't know how you're going to vote on this one. Fight Club versus 
Mario style to portend our um, video game chatter later. Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. Oh. Will this portend our video game chatter? One of the, the verses. It was Mario from like, uh, was it Mario Kart? Versus. Oh, okay. Um, I well, yeah. No, I think no, we talked about. Before we do the yeah, before we do the um, the video game that was directed by uh, David Fincher, and the one that was directed by. Uh, well, fuck, you know who I'm talking about. Sidney Lumet. There you go. It would have been funny if I started with Sidney Lumet. You know the video game he made. Yeah, of course, that classic video game creator, Sidney Lumet. Yeah, the video uh, game where he had to use the toilet seven times in a game. That's how you have to do it. Oof. Which movie? Um, I, we talked about before, or The Devil Knows You're Dead, I want to say last week. I really, yes. really like that one. It's got a great ensemble, a great little crime thriller. I do love Fight Club quite a lot, though. And I think even though toxic masculinity has grossly misappropriated it for nefarious ends, I still think the movie absolutely holds up on its own. Uh, and it's probably in my top three Fincher films, or it's at least up there. Uh, so I'm going to go with Fight Club. Same. Um, for the Devil Knows You're Dead. Great. Nice, gritty little movie. Like we said last week, you'd be shocked to know the man was uh, at the end of his life making that film. Fight Club, definitely angry young man film. Uh, it's a classic. There's a reason why. Can't Can't go against it. Number four, Eyes Wide Shut versus Into the Wild. Um, yeah, we talked about Eyes Wide Shut a couple weeks back or maybe a couple months. I don't know. Time's a flat circle. Um, yeah, it's it's one I need to, to have another look at. I just, I don't know. It didn't leave any strong impression on me. Um, Into the Wild, I don't know. I remember liking it at the time, but like... I think I made the mistake of reading the book after the movie and like, even though it's like an emotional story, by the time you've soaked up enough of the story behind the story, it's hard for me not to come away with the conclusion of this guy was a fucking idiot and he shouldn't have done any of the things he did. True. Um, so it's difficult. I mean, you don't want to shit talk a real person who died in tragic circumstances, but also he like went out of his way to create those tragic circumstances for himself. So... I think if we're just talking as a movie, I probably got more out of Into the Wild. That's fair. Um, I like Eyes Wide Shut a bit, but I love Into the Wild. I did also read the book after I saw the movie, like you did. Um, the book is really good because the book is more investigative and kind of observational. And like, I think the book has a bit more of your opinion of like, why did this guy do this? Like, let's let's trace it and see if we can figure it out. The movie. I don't want to say romanticizes it, but romanticizes it feels the idea. almost like a celebration of not exactly what he did, but at least the lifestyle that he was going for, even yeah. if he was no in, in no position to pull that off. Yeah, I think I think the movie the and I love the movie is my favorite movie that year. But I think if anything, if I was going to ding the movie for anything, it's that it doesn't quite examine enough of the, you know, that it didn't it should this shouldn't have happened. You know, it, it gets the tragedy of it right. The like, you know, it spends enough time with him when he's like, oh, I'm going to die. Fuck, this is a mistake. The book at least, you know, starts with that feeling of like, why would why would this happen? How could this happen? And and they, they pair very well together. I don't know that I would like a documentary about it. But as a as a narrative, I think Emil Hirsch is so well cast and is so good in that role. That it makes up for a lot of the, like, I don't know if I would enjoy this human being. 
but to watch them was was very compelling. So that's 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 how I'm going. Uh, we're going to disagree on this one. I'm almost positive. Number three is the Insider versus Juno. Oh, interesting. Um, I do like both of these films. Um, uh, Juno is also one that. I don't know. I don't know that I've soured on it per se, because I think it's very good. And I think everyone in it is very good. And it's funny. Um, I think, you know, the promise of Diablo Cody from that film was never quite fulfilled. She's done some great work. Don't get me wrong, but she never quite. I think Juno is probably still her peak. Uh, um, probably her peak. I will say uh, just watched two nights ago last night. I don't know. Time's a flat circle. Like you said, a uh, young adult. Yeah, young adult I like Boy. a lot. That's probably the second Boy, best one. Did I forget? Like that is an unapologetic like fuck you to audiences, and I am here for it. Yeah. Um, oh, I love that one. Also, Patton Oswalt, huge Oscar snub. So good. Maybe I, best in show in that movie. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I do like um, Tully though. There. So I think when she's yeah, a white, I, man, I, I didn't care for Tully. Tully's Tully's milder. It doesn't have the sharp edge. I think that I think she's at her best with, but. Um, the other things she's done have been a lot more hit or miss. I do agree. Yeah. Um, the insider though, it's, I think it's one of Michael Mann's best. I think Pacino and Crow are giving among their best performances and Christopher Plummer was definitely like, you know, one of his career best performances is in that film. Um, so, you know, no shade to Juno, but I am going to go with the insider. I'm going to go Juno. Um, the insider is very good. I, I need to rewatch it one day. It's one of those movies that it it's not that it's complicated, but it demands your focus. And it's not a like hanging out on a Sunday, you're just going to watch type movie. I feel like you got to kind of got to dedicate your day to, I want to watch The Insider today. Uh, Juno's held up pretty well for me. I never went in for a lot of the uh, like, oh, it's Urban Outfitters, the movie. And, and I think we mentioned it even recently that, I don't know if we mentioned it or I was talking to someone else about it. Some of the like abortion related conversation has been a little rough about that movie because I mean, that's that's just a like structural thing about film. If you need a movie that involves a pregnancy, you're most likely just not going to end it because you're ending the story. Well, you know, exactly. Yeah. In. Like, I mean, I just watched today Waves and I love Waves, but, you know, spoiler for a three year old movie like. You know, when when his girlfriend gets pregnant and they go to the abortion clinic and she decides not to have it, like, is that movie bad now? I, I it's it's a weird argument. I feel like just Juno, because it has the vibe it has, is an easy one to pick on. But I still maintain it's very very good. Um, this would have this next one would have been a very interesting question for you five years ago, let's say. Oh, I know your oh, answer. Oh, why is Kevin Spacey in it? It's American Beauty versus No Country for Old Men. God damn it. <laughs> like, God, why do I cannot get away from this fucker no matter no. how hard I try? He's taking a shining to you. Don't say that. That's creepy and weird. <laughs> um, God damn. Well, I mean, you're absolutely right. If you'd asked me this question however many years ago, yeah, it would have been American Beauty. No question. Um, but I can't do that now and if i'm honest with myself no country for old men is probably a better made movie 
And, you know, it's among the Coen brothers best. I don't know if it's my personal favorite of theirs, but in terms of that being the one that they swept the Oscars with, I've always been on board for that. Um, I, I hate that I'm going American Beauty, but I'm going to take Kevin Spacey out of it. Um, in terms of just the films and, and back to what we said recently, like, I don't know what will happen if slash when I ever rewatch it, it may just be unwatchable at this point. But I, as a not huge Coen Brothers fan, I would put No Country up there higher than most. So I'm, I'm with a lot of people on that. But I think it's because some of the things that bug me about their work is not quite there. Or at least it's done in a way that I, I find less off-putting. In the same way like Inside Lewin Davis. Like, you know, No Country for Old Men, Inside Lewin Davis, they're both mean to their main characters. <laughs> but I feel like it's more justified than like A Serious Man where... I get what they're doing, but I spend the whole time going, I should like this, but instead I'm, I just don't care for it at all while appreciating what they're doing. So, um, for the, for the split, I'll, I'll do it. But I, I do, I do think there's an asterisk there, as you kind of mentioned. Um, number one, it's an all PTA final Magnolia versus there will be blood. Uh, wow. I mean, listen, these are two of his best films. They are both masterpieces in very different ways. Um, I mean, you know, it's a kill your darling situation. I love Magnolia. I always have. I always will. But There Will Be Blood is in my top 10 films of all time. And I think it is one of, if not the best American film made since the turn of the century. Uh, Swap that. and Same thing, but just about the other film for me. Magnolia is in my top five. Uh, I love it. Um, there will be blood. I, I, I you know, am a. Li- I, I never warm to quite as much. It's it, that in No Country for Old Men I, that year. I just remember liking them both and going, yeah, they're exceptionally well made. I just don't connect the same way as everyone else does. And this is what Best Picture is between. Oh, I'm over here hoping Juno does a little better, or Into the Wild gets nominated, or to a lesser degree like Batman. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Batman was the year after. I'm sorry. Um, that was that period of time was that um but yeah this is cool i'd be happy to do this again with other people for sure um we actually have might actually have another one yes ryan mcdermott has his own top 10 face off um number 10 the lion in winter or number nine the empire strikes back (laughs) talk about apples and oranges yeah Uh, um i need to revisit the lion in winter i saw it like I was probably in high school and it was during that period where like I was really getting into like film film. So I was seeing like just everything yeah, yeah. and I remember it being good and well acted, but it hasn't really stuck with me in any meaningful way. Uh, the Empire Strikes Back is a classic, of course. Um, it's in most people's top two or three Star Wars films for good reason. So I'm going to go with that. I mean, it's no Rise of Skywalker, but um you know, I uh, I couldn't even finish that sentence. Yeah, it's, it's Empire. The Line of Winter's good. It's, it's one of those films that I think a lot of people see it almost out of like an obligation of like the completest of like, oh, it's a classic, I have to watch it. And that's not a fair way to watch it, but it's better than that. But it's hard to compete against Empire. At least for me. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of movies like that. 
you know, like a man for all seasons. It's really good. But if you told me a man for all seasons or star Wars, I'm probably going to go star Wars. Uh, number eight vertigo or number seven, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Um, Mr. Smith goes to Washington is fine. I think it's a little schmaltzy for my taste, but then a lot of Jimmy Stewart movies from that era are like, you know, I'm, I've never been a big fan of it's a wonderful life. No, I hate that movie. Um, vertigo is a classic. It's one of, it's probably in my top three Hitchcock films. Um, a recent rewatch really did highlighted just how stark the age gap is between the two leads, which is kind of, it gives it a, a maybe unsettling feeling that I don't necessarily think was intended, but that's also just kind of films from that era. So yeah. you kind of have to roll with it, but you know, the colors in it and just the production design and it's just, it's such a sumptuous film and yeah, vertigo all the way. There's um, I don't know if they still do it or if it was a temporary title, but there was a podcast spinoff that, um, tell him Steve Dave, which started out as um, two of Kevin Smith's like childhood friends, one of which ran his uh, comic book store did. And they were going to do a podcast about, I think it was 70s movies. And it was going to be called It Was the Times because you watched like Animal House. You watch all these movies or, you know, even going back to Vertigo and just something like you said, like, oh, that feels a little gross. And, you know, the response is like, well, it was the Times. Like nobody thought twice about a crippled old man and like a, you know, barely 20 year old woman or you know like there there were some movies not necessarily this one but it was not unheard of it was not frowned upon it was just well that would be appealing we have a big movie star and we have a hot actress and their ages were completely irrelevant um when mr smith go, goes to washington it's a movie i should love like i like it but you know i'm a i'm a politics guy like i like you know maybe the last handful of years has soured me a bit on the uh like rah-rah america of it all but it's it's right exactly yeah it is it is hard to watch you know and not be like okay sure oh is this what like what ted cruz thinks is the right thing when he's doing his nonsense filibuster stuff like it's it's hard to to do it and and i also just think vertigo is the better movie not like a big gap though this one's a big gap though i know i'm gonna get annoying messages uh number six wolf walkers and number five the shawshank redemption um i like wolf walkers a lot uh it was probably my favorite animated film of the year it came out which i think was 2020 is that right it was the pandemic so yeah yeah uh yeah i like that one a lot uh shawshank redemption though it's a classic and it's a classic for a reason and it's yeah it's beautiful it's amazing you know you can watch it at any time and get a lot out of it so shawshank for me it's my favorite film of all time um and wolf walkers completely bounced off me so i know it bugs people but every so often there's just a movie that you go it didn't didn't do it for me and that one did not do it for me um well we're both gonna have the same answer for this next one even though i'm not like as wild about the movie as most the number three pick was It's a Wonderful Life. So fair oh. fair guess number four is going to be your pick. Um, Baby Driver. No, I'm kidding. Uh, just so it's Inception. Kevin Spacey oh. free. Oh, well, yeah. No, Inception all the way. Inception is a great movie. Mr. Swish. Mr. Swish. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington is a fine movie. But yeah, Inception. Well, we are talking about It's a Wonderful Life, but same principle. 
nonsense. You know what I'm fucking trying to say. Yeah, yeah you're, you're, um, you're uh, incepting us to think more about uh, Jimmy Stewart. No, well, yeah, there's a lot of Jimmy Stewart on this list. No offense, Ryan. Um, Jimmy Stewart. Uh, hey, yeah, nothing, nothing wrong with that. Well, what um, do you mean you don't like my stuff? Nah, I, I mean, it's I, alone I, just now, but you know. Yeah, yeah, that was nowhere near. Oh, 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 oh actually, that's my Jimmy. I mean, Stewart. they kind of, they kind of have a similar cadence. Like they in a roundabout like, way, oh, yeah, yeah. They're both grunting and groaning as they speak. They should have done a movie together. I don't know if timeline wise that would have ever synced up, but yeah, I would have liked to see it. Um, so sorry, it's a wonderful life. Yeah, it's it's not fine actually. I don't like it. Um, but uh, I love Inception. So yeah, that mm. I like Inception. I don't love it, but I am gonna pick it. Jimmy Stewart died in 1997. Let's see what his last film was. We might be able to make this happen. Well, his last work was in an American tale, Five Goes West, in 1991. So that's maybe not, like, the height of his powers. But he was he was working. Um, hey, listen, and... I love an American tale. That's a that's a darn no, good this, this, this animated is the sequel. film from that era. No, I know. Five Goes West. Yeah, Five Goes West um, is the better movie. Yeah, it's it's different. Um, nah, that's, that's the I one I watched more. I American Tale is just sad and miserable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. American Tale is weird to watch as an adult we go this is for children um stallone's filmography it would line up um i mean if you if you kind of like start with his porn in 1970 you know the party of kitty and studs um yeah there was uh, five films that jimmy stewart made so it could I have mean, happened he could have yeah. been someone in Rocky or whatever. I mean, Rocky 76, Airport 77 is 77. The Magic of Lassie is 78, yeah. Jimmy Stewart is Mickey. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> God, I just ruined a film I love. Um, all right, or we're up down to number two versus number one. Number two, The Apartment. Number one, Witness for the Prosecution. Um, these are both classics, neither of which I have seen within the last decade. Um, but they're both very good. I remember liking The Apartment better, and I think I'm just yeah. a pretty big Billy Wilder fan in general. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Witness for the Prosecution is going to get remade, I believe. Um, That's probably not I'm, a good idea. <laughs> I mean, it depends. Uh, the Apartment's great. I mean... The, I'm guessing Witness for the Prosecution is not getting remade because I just I just Googled it as I remembered it. Um, so Ben Affleck was going to direct and star in it, which is pretty pretty solid. Um, the article is a Variety article from 2016. Yeah, I don't I'm think gonna, I'm going to go with he's moved on. I, I don't think that's an active development at this point. No, I'm curious. Christopher Kaiser will write the script. Who the hell is that? By the way, they're both Billy Wilder, Billy Wilder movies for those who don't know. Um, six six Academy Awards. I mean, I would like Affleck as a lawyer. Would he play the lawyer? Would he play the? Uh... I don't know. What do you think he would be? Would you think he'd be the lawyer? I think if he's directing it, he would probably cast himself as the lawyer. No, I mean, I, I, I'm just thinking like playing the guy accused of murder. Well, I don't know. No, closer because to 20, 2016, yeah, that he was in that kind of Gone Girl-esque, you know, he was going to be in that, um, is it Murders on the Train remake? Murder like, on the Orient Express? Or, no. The, oh, uh, Strangers the, on the, a Train. Strangers yeah. on Stranger. a Train. That's what I meant. Sorry, I was reading this article still that also says, 
It's the second Fox movie project based on an Agatha Christie story. The studio also has Kenneth Branagh directing and starring in a remake of Murder on the Orient Express with Leslie Odom Jr. in Talks to Star. Oh, well, well he ended up doing a takes. he ended up doing a different murder mystery. That's true. Um, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Then around that point in time, he would have probably been the man accused. Yeah, I, I like him better as a lawyer. I think I think he doesn't play smart people enough. Like, he's not a dumb guy. Uh, I think, you know, the the goodwill hunting of it all, I think the big lug kind of thing was always a thing people liked him as. And then, you know, Gone Girl, I think, helped with the, like, scumminess of charm yet scumminess. Right. It's funny that, that um, um, Deep Water was more just scummy without the charm. It's an interesting performance in a movie that, like, I don't think fully works, but is kind of fascinating to watch uh but that movie's not happening so it doesn't matter uh ryan also says all the bonus points for the last of us part two praise from last week so thank you uh it probably will come up again in conversation uh, spoiler alert it will definitely yeah. come up in the following conversation so he actually has another question video game related that will tie us into our some of our game questions and he oh. says if you had the power to green light one video game sequel or spinoff what are you cho- choosing uh, this one's easy for me. Um, give us another Earthworm Jim game and make it a good one because there hasn't really been one since Earthworm Jim 3D on the N64 like yonks ago. Mm. And like there's always been talk of like they were going to remake the original on PSP and then it didn't happen. And there was kind of like a remaster of the original that came out, but that doesn't count. And th- yeah. they always talk about it. I think the most recent thing was that Interplay was going to do like their own system and it was going to be a launch game for that, but that never happened. And then the pandemic hit. I think they're doing like a, like a CG TV show for it right now, but we'll see how far that gets. He's, and this will come up in our lists as well, I'm sure, but He's one of my favorite video game characters, like when everyone else was talking about Mario or Sonic or whatever, not Earthworm Jim was the guy for me. And I love those games and I would like to see a good one again. Mm. Um, I'll give my pick and then before we get full into video games, we'll talk about Thor because I know you have Thor thoughts. Um, I do have thoughts. Yeah, I was about to say, there's got to be a funnier way to do that. Um, But I will say um, my sequel, I'll do a sequel and a spinoff because I have a spinoff in mind. That I picked out when I saw the question. I just thought of a sequel right now. It'll never happen. It probably shouldn't happen. I would love a Max Payne 4. Oh, uh, I would love to see that. Absolutely. I know I know the story ended. I know Rockstar basically makes the gross of a small country with the internet uh, versions of their games now. Like Grand Theft Auto Online is maybe the most profitable thing in the world right now. Um. So they have no incentive because you can't really like bullet time just doesn't work in multiplayer, things like that. But I love Max Payne. The The first game, the, sec- the, the, the first game is amazing. I think yeah. the second game is, is as good, but is kind of the same game. It's interesting. It's 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 not the, the as second different. one almost feels like an expansion more than a full on sequel. It's just a yeah. little bit more of the same with like. The slightest coat of paint. I actually really like the third one. I liked how third stylized one I think is the it best was. Game. Um, to play, the third game is the best game. Because the, um, like, taking cover, which was a thing that they introduced for, um, was it Grand Theft Auto 4, I think. When you can, like, you know, hide and, and shoot from cover and things like yeah. that. 
Um, the first game is just, it's different. Obviously, Bullet Time was a thing. The only thing I didn't love about the first game, which makes me wonder if maybe the second game is better, is there was that weird level where you get... Oh, are you ghosts? talking about like the dream sequence level where yeah. you have to like follow a red line and it's so easy to fall off it? Yep. I just yeah, I hated that. Insanely. Yeah, I, that, I struggled with that one level as much as probably any other game level I've struggled with. Yes, that is that that I hated. The other thing I hate and uh, also brought up on um, the Get Played podcast, formerly How Did This Get Played? Shout out to them. They do a great video game podcast. Better than we're going to do today. Sorry. <laughs> um Racing levels in non-racing games. Terrible. Oh, my God. Did you ever play the original Mafia? Yeah. Oh, my God. They actually referenced it with the fast car. Yeah. Oh, my God. Absolutely hard. That's Speaking of levels you get stuck on, I probably dedicated like a month just to getting past that level because the controls are just not set up for that kind of thing. Oh, my God. I hate that so much. It's a great game otherwise, but that level fucked me up. Yeah, mine was Vice City. I think one of their one of those like oh you have to do a drag race. It's, oh yeah yeah yeah. I, I I think I told you this off air that I've taken to like trying to shoot out tires while you play those games, yeah. and they don't like you to do that. They really want you to just straight win the race. That's it pisses me off. Um, I played all. I think I played. I don't know if I played Mafia two. I played Mafia Mafia three. I played Mafia three first. The one set in like New Orleans. That oh, was sure. very good. And I think that's I the, the only one I. No wait. It's um the it's a it, the protagonist is African American, which is really interesting. Okay, then no, I haven't. I play one and two a fair bit. Well, I finished I played, one. I played a lot of two. I never touched three. I don't know if I played two. You should get three. It's probably very cheap because I know I played one as the remaster that came out, so it at least you know looked like a modern game. And, right. and one's good. It has a real downer of an ending. True mafia style ending, like. Oh, I won. By the way, years later, someone's going to blow you away with a shotgun later on. Well, it was funny because I think I played it before I ever saw Goodfellas. So then yeah. I saw Goodfellas and was like, oh, OK, it's just the Mafia ending. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Mafia 3 is is has multiple endings, I believe. Um, and it's also just a really, really fun game. Um, but for my, uh, my non-sequel, because they're never going to do a Max Payne 4, the story concluded. It's not multiplayer friendly. It's just not there you know throw it up with all the other rockstar games i want them to, re- to do sequels of and they won't i would i would be here for a uh an la noir sequel they like oh yeah that'd be nice i mean i mean, we might talk about it later like it's such a great premise for a game while being just shy of fun to play you know people yeah it feels like it should be so much better than it is but it's just pretty good yeah um i would be interested to see if they ever make a manhunt Another, I think they did two manhunts, but like another. Man yeah, but game. I think the second one was I never played it, but apparently the second one was real bad. I think the second one was bad. I think I played the first one. It was just it was boring and repetitive. The The whole gimmick was when you kill someone, you got like the replay because it was like untelevised. Right. Um, and that well, was, was back when games cool. were trying to be really edgy and mature. Yeah. I mean, but a like real solid it doesn't have to be as expansive as as Grand Theft Auto or um, Red Dead, like the games that they're going to make sequels of until the end of time. But a like solid like Max Payne version of Manhunt that's just abysmally violent, I'd be fine with it. Like I, you know, there are games where you're just like, okay, this is like Manhunt just feels like it should be more than violence, but it kind of just was violence. There was a yeah. rumor that was a Carcer City or whatever is a location in the new Grand Theft Auto. Like they're gonna go there at one point. Oh, interesting. Because I actually I just finished Grand Theft Auto Five again for the second time. They reference it in the game at one point. Mm. I was like, ooh, I know what that is. Um, 
ironically, my spinoff is a Grand Theft Auto spinoff. Um, for those of you who finished Grand Theft Auto Five, I want to follow Michael DeSanta as a movie producer. Like that was only a little bit of the game, and I kind of love the fact that he was a thug like enforcer for the movies. And I'd love to see what happened with more of that. You know, they I think the Grand Theft Auto games are always really good when they get into their Hollywood satire. Like Vice City had the like like a porn set, right? Because it was Jenna Jameson, I think. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I just I will always remember like they had like, I think there was like a scene going on where you went to go get a like a mission and you just hear like, oh yeah, all right. Oh yeah, all right. Just like the most cartoonish <laughs> version of what bored porn sounds would be. It was very clever. They they you know, they obviously are childish in their humor, but I think they're more clever than people realize. Um, especially nowadays when you listen to some of like the political satire on like the political radio stations in those games. Oh, that's on that's some of my favorite stuff in all of Grand Theft Auto, just listening to the commentary on the radio stations. Like sometimes oh, yeah. I'll just like fuck off with missions entirely and just drive around so I can listen to the banter. It's great when you get to so I, I realize that there's not as much as I thought. I remember in in some of the games it just it went on forever. Um in in five, I, I think they spent a lot of time like getting you to listen to like, oh, you know we have real music. Like you can just listen to like a classic rock station. Right. The um the talk radio in the city I always liked Laszlo, so there was a Laszlo. Uh, La- Laszlo was always my favorite. Yeah, he's like the co the mo- the co host on a show, and then there was like a a chakra attack. I think it was, but it's JB Smooth. I think is the uh, the host. That sounds right. And then right. there was something else. Um, it was like a a real like um, hipstery dude, but also was giving like financial advice. It was that was a weirder one. But then when you got into like the sticks. There was like community radio, and one of the shows was Beyond Insemination, and it was Danny McBride. It was oh. like a real like hillbilly, and that was a riot. So those were those are things I'd like to I'd like to see more of. We'll get back to the games in a moment. Thor. Oh yes, Thor. Mm. Well, it hurts. Uh, all right. So I have thoughts on Thor. Um, Everyone not- seems to. <laughs> But I, my thoughts, I feel like I'm in, like, the vast minority in terms of my thoughts. Um, yeah. I don't like that word. That doesn't sound good on repeat. Um, thoughts. Nah, there's no good way to do it. Um, so we all know what the MCU is at this point, right? Like, it's, you know, they are fun and entertaining and populist films and they are very much made on a conveyor belt um especially now that the shows are part of the mix it's very much project to project and there's stuff coming out about how the vfx artists that work on these films are like you know subject to impossible deadlines and that's why the effects suffer in certain films or projects or what have you and that's not good and i don't like that and i'm not in support of that but controversial take there yeah i know I'm 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 willing I'm willing to you know go out on a limb and say I don't approve of artists of any kind being you know subject to unfavorable working conditions. I'll You're say on it. the record. I'm on the record. I'll say yeah. it. I don't care. Do um, but um, you know when anything is the most popular thing for long enough, obviously there's a backlash, and one might argue there's been a backlash against the MCU since the creation of the MCU. Yeah. Um, like even when the first Avengers came out, there are plenty of people who are being like, oh no, is this the death of blockbusters or whatever? And you know, there's an argument to be made for that, but I've been a big fan from day one, even their worst films, I think still have interesting stuff going on. Um, I'm someone who likes, you know, 
seeing the larger tapestry unfold and, you know, I like seeing, oh, here's that guy from that thing. And he shows up like, you know, it's dumb, you know, you know, oh, the thing I recognize, but I think they do it more skillfully than most. And they do it in a way that either benefits the story or at least doesn't get in the story's way. Yeah. Um, but this one seems to be, and maybe this is just filmed. Well, no, not even because it's got, I think, a lower Rotten Tomato score than Thor The Dark World, which most people consider one of the worst MCU films. I think it's pretty close now. Yeah, they're the at, they're, the time, they're at least neck and necks, which is kind of shocking to me. Yeah, I think at the time everyone just sort of was like, it's fine. And now in hindsight, when you realize what they can be, you get more into the like, really? This is, yeah, it's 67% for Love and Thunder. Jesus. Um, but anyway, so here's my hot take. I loved this film. Not only did I love it, but after seeing it twice, I felt confident putting it in my top three MCU films. Mm. Yeah. It's at number three behind, uh, Endgame is one and Black Panther is two. Um, my list as you do that as well. And I, I've got mine ready to go if we're, if we're going to get into that, which I feel like is, is fun to do whenever anyone comes out. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Like, Listen, let's let's be honest. This film has a shitload of problems. Yeah. Um, you know, there are a lot of jokes. It's it's almost that family guy level of just shotgun jokes where just throw in a few every few minutes, see what sticks. And I think it's probably 50-50 if I wanted to be generous, 60-40 in terms of whether the jokes land. A lot of them don't, but that the ones that do really land, I think. Um the visuals range from absolutely gorgeous to really kind of janky um you know i think natalie portman and christian bale steal the show and are both phenomenal i'll go as far as to say that i think gore the god butcher might be my new favorite villain in the franchise but that said i mean he doesn't do anything particularly different than the other villains it's just he has a better reason than a lot of them well, I think the motivation goes a long way. I, I really love the opening scene with him and his daughter and then yeah. sort of the turnaround where he meets his God and sort of realizes what they're about, I think is a perfect little, almost like a little short film in terms of like, you know, the tests and limits of faith and sort of what somebody would be do if they're pushed too far. Sure. Um, but with both characters, I think they're phenomenal. I would have liked to see another scene or two with each of them. And I also think Valkyrie, who's one of my favorite Marvel characters in recent memory, kind of like she she's in it well enough, but she definitely gets sidelined at the end in a way that wasn't especially convincing. Um, I also think the character of Korg is probably a bit overused. And, you know, I, I still like him well enough, but I think I would have definitely sacrificed some of his stuff for... Um, for more stuff with either uh, with either Jane or Gore. Yeah, no, there's um, plenty of good stuff with him. There's just there's a couple times too many of like, yeah, totally, bro. Which is, it's a like, little much. The yeah. best part with him is when Valkyrie straps his face onto the back of her head and he's like that's swinging great. around. Um, I love when he explains how babies get made. Yeah, that's fun. Kind. That's fantastic. His resolution is very cool with that. Also, yeah, um, exactly. And that I do like when he well. says something about them and like. He's like, oh, I wonder what they're talking about. And Valkyrie's because they're not talking. They're not talking. Like, that stuff is the best. Like his his yeah, like, reactions are not as important. Well, exactly. I think he's it's a character that works better in small doses. And I think this one comes right up to the edge of overusing him. Yeah. Um, and then I agree with your earlier point that the Guardians are kind of a wash. They're in it yeah. and then they're not in it. And you can 100% tell they were not 
in his plan when he started thinking about this movie. Well, and same with Fat Thor. Like, it gets dismissed in, like, two shots. Like, yeah. it's, uh, you know, ne- where he ended up at the end of Endgame is kind of just, like, you know, it's, like, ten minutes of the movie at most. Yeah, um, they're, they're, they're not I, super I mean, concerned with that. I still like seeing them, and I think credit to the Guardians actors for keeping those characters consistent, even if they get, like, one or two lines each. Oh, yeah. Um, Listen, if you're Bradley Cooper, are you not showing up anytime they call? Yeah. Well, fucking or, Vin Diesel got, like, the easiest paycheck on planet Earth to just come around every few years and say the same three words over and over. Yeah. I also, I, I'm being charitable by saying both of them come around. They probably were like, we're going to stay at home. You. Oh, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure they've both been had, like, closet audio recording setups or yeah, they're yeah, just like, doing I'm it gonna, in their car or whatever. Yeah. I'm going to go into my, uh, my closet. I'm going to take out my phone and I'm going to say, I am Groot and send it to you. Send me the check. Or you can just recycle them from the earlier movies and nobody would know the difference and he still gets paid, I'm sure. Are you of not being a professional? Because then you just be the rock. We we can get into some behind-the-scenes stuff from Fast and Furious, but we're not gonna. We're talking about Thor. So anyway, yeah, all those things are elements where, you know, the film falls short. But for me, the stuff that worked worked so well that I just didn't care the sure. there's the whole section on sort of the black and white realm that's like one of the most visually gorgeous thing that's ever been in a marvel movie yeah that's great. um i think gore yeah like at the end of the day he's not accomplishing that much more than your average villain but i think a lot of it is in the christian bale performance i like that he's kind of like pennywise by way of voldemort yeah, uh, he's, he's he has a really the, distinct like, presence. He has a great look. I'm glad they didn't go too close to the comic look where he's a weird tentacle monster because I think that would limit sort of what you can do with the No, with they, the ma- they made him look a little gross and go insane as opposed to like look insane. Exactly. And I like that there was, you know, not to get into spoilers, but there was a nice push and pull between who he is now and who he used to be. And every now and then you see that kind of flare up. And again, it's one of those things where I would have liked like one or two more scenes just to sort of reinforce that. But yeah, I we still didn't think need, it we didn't works. need three scenes of the shadow monsters having to fight people. I don't mind the shadow monsters. They're fine. Cause... But like I once, maybe twice. It was just it was there was. You, Listen, all these movies, the villains have some sort of faceless goon that the heroes totally. have to go against. I'll take these ones because at least they're an interesting design, especially sure. when you get to the black and white planet. I think they look really cool when you got the kind of giant ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's part of the parcel. Um, no, I, th- I think all the like, yeah, go ahead. I think all the Jane Foster stuff is really good. I think she makes sure. a great impression. And, you know, if this is going to be her, you know kind of come back hoorah and then we never see any more of her i think it's a great note to go out on because i think she Agreed. makes a really strong impression chris hemsworth you know he's had the the balance of the comedy and action down pat for a few years now and he's just as good here you know give valkyrie her own spin-off movie i love that character russell crowe surprise you know comedic highlight <laughs> like yeah, don't i don't know that this. i was ex- i don't know that i was expecting a lot there but man alive that accent he's he's going for it and i appreciate you're, it you're not invited to the orgy oh my he's god just what well, my favorite my favorite is like when he lifts up his skirt to walk down the stairs yes <laughs> and just, he's got such a ridiculous me. look i i was i was all for it yeah i don't know it's just like it's not a perfect movie none of these are no no even even endgame which is my favorite in the franchise definitely has some issues but like i think just f- 
if if you're a fan of these movies by now, and if you're still with them, even though Phase Four has definitely been a little nebulous and shapeless, and there's a couple things they were kind of building towards, but it hasn't all coalesced in a satisfying way yet. Um, if you're just taking it as a standalone movie, and I kind of felt the same way about Doctor Strange when the sequel came out, you know, just taking it on its own terms as part of a bigger whole, I think it absolutely works. And this one in particular, you know, I really like the Guns N' Roses, you know, sort of, you know, rock and roll sort of aesthetic yeah. of it. I For me, because I liked Ragnarok a fair bit, but I think my expectations were so high for that one from the trailers. Mm. I think that one to me, it's still very good, but it's not quite as great as I think a lot of people are. And okay. I chalk a lot of that up to the Asgard stuff, which you can tell Taika was just not interested in, yeah. but there's still a lot of it. And I think this one, there are elements that he's not as interested in, but he kind of does away with them right away, as opposed to having to constantly cut back and forth between the interesting stuff and the boring stuff. And so for me, I think that elevates this one significantly. But apparently I'm in the minority on that. Well, yeah. both of us having anything positive to say puts us in the minority, apparently. Yeah, I have it at like number 13 for the MCU, like just outside the top 10. That's fair. I think that's probably where I have Ragnarok. So there you go. Yeah, my I have Ragnarok at 11 and I think I like Ragnarok a little better. So I split I split the difference. I have Shang-Chi at number 12. I don't know that I like Shang-Chi more than, than Love and Thunder. It's about the same. Yeah, they're comparable. And, and I think actually Doctor Strange in the in the Multiverse of Madness is 14. So I think it's a clear 14, 13, 12 is like, like I, I'm fine with these phase four movies, but I am waiting for what they're building to. I, I'm not counting um, Eternals. They are, they are well, 25. No. Eternals, Eternals is at 23 for me. Shang-Chi is at 12. Ragnarok's at 15. Black Widow is at 22. Yeah. And then I have Doctor Strange at eight. So sure. I, I, Thor and Doctor Strange are the two, at least film releases. I guess it's only four so far in phase four. But those yeah. are the ones that really landed for me. Whereas Black Widow and Eternals, I felt were kind of, you know, Black Widow was fine, but didn't really stand out in any meaningful way. Yeah. And well, Eternals no had a lot of. Uh, oh, and No Way Home. Right. No Way Home's uh, a number five for me. So that number one, four. that one's pretty high up there. Number four. So there we go. We we're, We did it. Um, before we get full on the games quickly, I saw The Gray Man. It's pretty good. Um, if you want a big... That, like, that's what Netflix action. likes to hear from their new action franchise. Well, pretty I mean, good. I, I, think they, I think it's exactly what they... I think it's absurd that it costs $200 million, but I think if their intent was to make like the movie your dad wants to watch on TNT until the end of time, but just have it on their platform, they did a very good job of it. And I, I, I want to believe that's what they were trying to do. Um, now, you know, there are plenty of people who don't like it because nobody likes anything anymore. Though I, I do appreciate the couple of people who are like, I don't care for it, yada, yada, yada. But they can do as many of these as they want if every so often the Russo brothers produce and essentially finance everything everywhere all at once. So like, right. more than comes out in the wash. Like do whatever you want as long as every so often you throw a couple bucks to these guys. Um, it's basically like an American Bond movie. Like if Bond... You mean like American. a Bourne movie? Kind of. I mean, Bourne is is a little more dour. You know, okay. Bourne doesn't stop for jokes. Bond, you know, less so with Daniel Craig, but quips. Um, this would be... I kind of... I, I don't know if I mean this, but like, if the Pierce Brosnan movies were a little more serious, 
You know, they were they were kind of okay. Like, they weren't dopey, but they were just cl- shy of being dopey movies. Well, until um, you get to die another day, which is well, very die another dopey. day is yeah. They they jump the shark, they nuke the fridge, they do all those things there. But in the same they, way that like they surf the tidal wave, exactly. They drive the invisible car. Um, you know, the the Craig movies are very serious. I think the, the Gray Man has some serious stuff, but there are some quips. I, I do like that uh, Ryan Gosling is very tired throughout it, and not like the boring tired, but like the idea of like this character who's now on the run and is just beat. And I and I kind of like that attention. It's it's on location a lot. There's some there's some solid quips. Chris Chris Evans is having a good time being a bad guy. It you know everyone is overqualified for their roles. It's it's fun. If you like action movies, it's it's a good action movie. It just knows what it's doing. And I and I think despite the the money, isn't trying to be much more than what it is. And you know some of that is I'm sure the Russo brothers cost a pretty penny to work with. You know, Marcus and McFeely wrote it. They're not cheap. So that could be $10, $15 million right off the bat, right? Um, Gosling probably is a $10 million actor, maybe more, right? Evans, probably about the same. So you, you could have, you know, if they're both making $15 million, like you could have almost like $40, 50000000 million right off the bat there. Still an expensive yeah. movie, but, you know, your your big blockbuster movies cost $100, $150 million these days. Anna de Armas is in it. Billy Bob Thornton um, was it? Ray Jean Pierre uh, Page from from Bridgerton is is there? Uh, Jessica Henwick, um, Julia Butters from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is is in it and has grown up substantially. Which I oh. guess it's the movie is what four years old now at this point, five years old. Once Upon a Time, uh, twenty nineteen, three years old. But they probably shot in twenty eighteen. Yeah, so basically four years worth of age. It's it's wild. Uh, a solid movie um there's a there's an indian uh star a bollywood star who's in it who i think people has a following because anyone who mentioned him in their in their tweets were getting a lot of attention and i did a quick cross-reference to make sure it wasn't one of the rr guys i said not too fast they wouldn't they wouldn't have been that on the ball now you know for the sequel who knows but if they're starting a franchise on netflix with this i'm, I'm down i'm curious where it goes next um okay yeah so on to games. And you know what? Let's start with a question from uh, your brother. <laughs> Not oh, yeah. to play favorites or anything like that. Uh, he says, please discuss the rise and fall and re-rise of Nintendo consoles. And I think the way we're going to do that is to talk about our history with video games before we get into like games specifically. So sure. um, the way I recall is um, I think my sister was alive. So I was at least three. So I want to say I was probably four or five. And I got a Nintendo, which is probably too young. So I'm probably older than I'm thinking of, but I want to, I want to believe it was still pretty early on. And, you know, at the time it's absurd that it exists and you're blown away by it. And, you know, playing Duck Hunt is the most fun thing you could possibly do and figuring out Mario. And then, you know, when you realize there's just all these games, it becomes this fun thing to go and get the games. And I remember so many names of games that I definitely haven't played in maybe... 25 years if not closer to the third you know veering towards 30 years you know there was a there was a, an airplane game that was captain skyhawk i just remember the, the gimmick was, there was you had to dock periodically and one of the, in like a space station in space it was weird the the helicopter game was tiger heli you know everyone you know you played bubble bobble you played all these games that everyone played didn't have a super nintendo though had a game boy so that was my other my other nintendo situation um, then I had a Game Gear, 
which was and is, I believe, my only Sega console. Oh. Which is which is an interesting thing because I think as a kid I didn't realize the sort of nascent like fight that was going on between Nintendo and Sega. Um because I had a Nintendo 64. My one of my close friends who lived in my building at the time had um a Dreamcast. So I got to play that. I I had friends who had a Genesis. I never really loved the Genesis. I think I was just thrown off by that third button. I was like, well, what does that do? Which is funny because now there's, you know, 30 buttons. But it was always just a weird, like, extra button to me. Uh, had an N64. And that, you know, obviously GoldenEye and things like that were what, and Mario Kart and stuff made that super exciting. But then I played my friend's PS1. I got a PS2. I got a Dreamcast, which is actually fits in what your brother asked. Like, I think around the time of the Dreamcast, nobody cared anymore about Nintendo. You know, the I had a th- I had a I had a DS at one point just because I worked in a video game store and it was just there, just have it for cheap. But like, you know, the DS, the Dreamcast. I don't know that anyone was you know running over to play those games. I mean, I I honestly I got the Dreamcast in part to play Resident Evil Four. But or, you know, they, well, that would have been Code Veronica. No, unless I, you're I, thinking of the GameCube. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. I'm sorry, I'm saying GameCube. I meant um, I meant GameCube for Nintendo. Dreamcast was the one I my friend had that I played. That I was like, I don't. It looks good, but I don't care. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mixed them up. The Dreamcast was sort of the end of Sega. The GameCube was the point of Nintendo like not being at the height of its powers anymore. And that was a lot to do with, you know, Sony coming on the scene. The PS1 was up against the N64, right? Yeah, and then the PS2 was up against the GameCube. Yeah, and that was an utter demolishing. I, I mean, they definitely beat the, the N64, but the N64 was popular as well. Maybe not as popular, maybe the start of the, the decline, but people loved playing, you know, GoldenEye and and, the, and like I said, the various Mario games. Like Mario sixty four is is sort of revolutionary. All these things like might show up on people's list. Who knows? Then you get into like the PS three when like the Xbox shows up, and suddenly there's just a ton. And I had a PS three, I had a PS four, I have a PS five. I have I've had all of the Xboxes. I got a Wii. You know, Wii was fun. Um, didn't get a Wii U. One of my exes their parents had one in like the house, you know, for like when everyone came to the visit and I played it a couple of times and it was, it was okay. It wasn't anything special. Felt like playing like with a, with an iPad. Um, and obviously yeah. the, the switch is kind of fun, but they've, they've, they've fallen, I think behind both of the other companies, but I think they've now kind of gotten into, we do our own thing and we're, we're interested in, in, uh, in portability in a way that like, you know, Sony doesn't really care about the 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 PSP, which I'm sure they don't make anymore, right? It was the PSP and they had the the Via the Vita, right? Those were their handheld ones. And yeah, Microsoft, exactly. Microsoft. But yeah, like, those those both kind of came and went. And yeah, Microsoft never really had their equivalent. Yeah, they're like play on your phone, whatever. Well, they have they have a what, the backbone, right? Thing you can put onto your phone. Maybe. I think that I think Microsoft might make the backbone. I don't know, but. Yeah, the Nintendo's interesting because they were the be-all, end-all for a while. And then once they beat up um, Sega, they they I don't know if they weren't prepared for, for Sony, or they just, I don't know. 
I know they had very weird rules to work with them at the beginning because they were the they were the game, you know. So they. It's funny the things going on now, like the PS5 and the uh, Xbox Series X, like just they don't have enough. Was intentional on Nintendo's part. There's that game, uh, that book about games, Console Wars. Yeah, like one of the things that they did was okay. Uh, you guys requested a million units, but we're going to send five hundred thousand because we want people to like yearn for this and like not be able to get and create demand. You know, at a certain point, that works when you're the only game in town. If you're in a tight competition, you can't do that. So I wonder if they weren't prepared for that. But um, yeah, feel bring up your 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 Nintendo thoughts and also your your game history. So yeah, up and. As of late, I've had everything because welcome to being an adult who still is kind of a child and the idea of there's no permission to just get these things. Yeah, I, I, I buy them. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I think we start on very similar places. So we had the NES when I was very young uh, and uh, Sasha, my the next oldest brother. I have three brothers, by the, by the way. That'll come into play a little bit later. I mean, I know that. <laughs> you know that because you were at the same table with them at my wedding. Yes. But um, uh, so we had the NES, but then we got the Super NES like very quickly after that. So not, a, not only did I have that initial endorphin rush of, oh my God, like video games, what a cool piece of technology. But then there was the almost immediate glow up of, Oh, like they can be that much better. And at there the time, you know, playing, was it Donkey Kong? Was that one of the first Donkey Kong Country was probably the first one I did on the Super NES. And that when I was putting together my top 10 list, that one's like just shy of it. Because that's oh, yeah, one. Cause just the way it looks like I remember my one of my other close friend had the SNES and just Super Nintendo to watch. Like when Donkey Kong first comes out at the beginning of that first level, you're like, wait, that's what video game characters can look like. Well, exactly, because you go from, like, the very original Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt and stuff like that to, like, some really impressive for-the-time stuff on Country. Uh, That was the console I played both of the Earthworm Jim games on. I mean, it was a lot of platformers at the time, because that's kind of what was big. But, like, you know, there's just so much stuff. And, yeah, like you, there's so many, like, random titles that, like, like I remember there was, like... I I had a game about like Porky Pig's haunted house or something like that, and I like beat it multiple times. I really wanted you to say Porky's. <laughs> no, I mean there might have been a Porky's game. I don't know. I would Porky. I would not yeah, have played yeah, they're, it. They're called they're called Leisure Suit Larry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we did the Super NES, and then uh, the new generation started. And what started happening is because there was more options, uh, my brothers and I would just we would each get a console. So, like, I was the one who was on the Nintendo train the longest because I got the N64 and then the GameCube after that. Uh, Sasha got the PS1 and then the PS4. And then John, when he got old enough, I think he was the one who got the Xbox or the original. And so we were sort of on that train. And, you know, N64, amazing. I think what starts to happen with when you look at the N64 and the GameCube and you compare to the PS1 and the PS2 The Nintendo consoles, their main sort of, you know, the big string in their bow is that they have all these exclusive first party titles. They've got their Mario's, they've got their Zelda's, they've got their Metroid's, they've got all these sort of big event ones that you can't get anywhere else. Whereas what Sony did really well is, you know, they had a handful of first party games and they've actually gotten a lot better about that more recently having games that like these are console sellers like and we'll talk about a few later on that like you would buy the console so you could get at this game 
Uh, but back in the day, they were really good about third-party support, and so they were the ones who would like enable studios like Capcom or Konami, and suddenly you have stuff like Resident Evil or Silent Hill or um, Metal Gear Solid or all these kind of games where like there was a bit more to them. And I think as a certain generation of gamers grew up, that became a lot more enticing. And like, you know, we all had our consoles, but we all had games on each other's consoles. And there was definitely yeah. a time where I probably had as many PlayStation games as I did N64 games, just because like... Well, at a certain point, yeah, if you want to play, you, you couldn't really be a one console house if you were a big gamer at a certain point, because you were going to miss out on something. You were going to not be able to play, you know, Ocarina of Time if you didn't have an N64. Exactly. You weren't going to be able to play... Um, you know, uh, Gears of War or Halo if you didn't have an Xbox. Exactly. If you didn't have PlayStation, you weren't going to be able to play. Um, trying to think of what their big exclusive one that might have like got people into it. Metal Gear Solid, maybe. Uh, at the time, I don't know if that was probably they yeah. were for a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, they the Sony didn't have as many exclusives. They were they weren't in that game as much. But like you said, they. Sega and then Sony did a good job of finding the workarounds. You know, Nintendo's thing was you work with us or no one. Yeah. Xbox. And I think Microsoft had the money to do that also. Exactly. Well, and I think once you get into the GameCube, especially, you start to see like because they had the tiny little discs compared to the more normal sized ones that you get on PlayStation and Xbox. My understanding is that it was much tougher for third party developers to work with Nintendo for a variety of reasons. And so you just didn't see as many. You'd see a lot of things that would be on both PlayStation and Xbox, but wouldn't get to GameCube for one reason or another. Um, we were never a big Sega household. We had the Game Gear 2, actually, and we all had Game Boys and Game Boy Advances. And uh, Game Boy Color, all that. And I, in you know, at the height of my gaming addiction, which is probably in like my early to mid teens, um, I made the classy move of getting a Dreamcast like less mm. than a year before the GameCube came out. And then as soon as yep. the GameCube came out, that's the only one I had eyes for. And well, that's the yeah, that always happens. And to this day, I will still maintain that GameCube was my favorite system. And most of my favorite games ever were on the GameCube. And some of them were on some of the other systems as well. But there was a handful of exclusives that one had that just for me, like the modern stuff can't quite touch. Uh, but going back to John's question about Nintendo, GameCube, you can see where the decline and the reasons for the decline have started, but they haven't quite kicked in yet. You get into the Nintendo yeah. DS and stuff like that, and it becomes a little, okay, well, it's gimmicky, but you don't have to do that. Then you hit the Wii, and for me, that's when it hits a brick wall in terms of you're either on board with this or you're not. Well, they're massively successful with the Wii, but yes. They're is, massively successful, like but they're massively successful because they've decided making games isn't as much of a priority to us as like making, you know, Wii Sports where like your whole family can play bowling together or totally. whatever. It becomes I much more, they're, they're pivoting works. to a different audience and financially it works oh, well yeah. for them. I think less so with the Wii U, but no, um, the Wii U fails. The, the Wii U is a big Nothing. And then the Switch came along, and I think that's kind of found a good balance of it's it still has its gimmicks, but you can also just play it like a normal console, which I really appreciate. Yeah. The, and they're, yeah, and they're the back to making can... games where, like, it's worth getting the Switch to get, you know, Breath of the Wild or what have you. Um, yeah. But then from there, I think, funny enough, once we kind of 
grew up, we all took turns owning an Xbox 360. So I played a lot sure. of games on there. Not as much PS3. I think Sasha had one of those, but I didn't play as much of it. And then um, more recently, I did buy a PS4 uh, for Spider-Man specifically when it came out. Nice. And uh, once I got into the PS4, that's when the first party titles for Sony really started jumping out because like... They're not all bangers, but the ones that hit really hit. And those are the ones that yeah. like, for me, at least Sony is like head and shoulders. I was never as much of an Xbox guy. Like, I don't think I think Sam, my youngest brother, has an Xbox one. But like literally the only time I've ever played that console is when I'm over at his place. Any other time yeah. it's for me, it's PS4 and a little bit of Switch nowadays. I mean, I, I I played the new console just because I happened to, happened to get them. I I do GameFly because I just I can't spend sixty dollars on a game and then not like it. That's absurd at this point in my life. Um, but I, I wait know, for stuff pay. to be like a year old and then get it on discount. <laughs> I mean, I kind of get it the same way because uh, a lot of times I'll just end up keeping something for a while. Like you know, last year I was living with my ex, so like I didn't bring my game there we didn't have a game for a while there was nothing and then there was a a switch and then eventually we had a ps5 but you know i had the ps5 and i had the series x at home and i would uh you know there was a time where i had madden just for months like at at that point i should have just bought it but you know you you like what you like but there's there's definitely a ton of games that are great maybe less so now i think because they're so expensive to make you know they're they're, these triple a titles are such a focus that you better like it because that's the big game for like a little bit of time. There's obviously a lot of tiny, tiny games. You know, if you like indie games, it, it's it's a great time. You know, uh, I, I don't play a ton of them, but I did really like um, Golf Story for the Switch, which is kind of like it's a golf game, but then also is almost like a very light like RPG game. Okay. Which is about as much RPG as I can deal with. Like it looks like an old like Pokemon or Zelda type game. Um. And there's inevitably a sequel that's been in development for years. But I, you know, I, I got the um, the PS5 because they would do bundles through um, Gamefly if you were a member. So you could you could just get one that way. And it was, you know, it was a little more money than getting one in uh, in the store, but you couldn't get one. You still can't get one, I don't think. Uh, so I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do this. And, you know, and the Xbox, they had like a deal with, I forget if it, I think, all the major chains did it, you know, the Best Buys, the Targets, the Walmarts, a thing where like if you if you financed it, you could have it, and you had to pay for um, their online service. Was it um, Game Pass? Right. Which sure, Game Pass is actually pretty cool. Uh, I don't know that I would have bought it otherwise, but it worked out. So y- yeah, it's it's a good time to be a gamer. Did you ever do computer games? Quickly, I did some. Yeah, I had a gaming PC for a while, and there were a couple um, that I played on there. Not as much as the consoles, but there were definitely a few. Like, I played my fair share of Counter-Strike back in the day. Uh, mm-hmm. There was an Aliens vs. Predator game that I was really into. Um, there were a lot of those games. Some of them were good, some of them weren't. Yeah, there was one that was just, I think, Aliens vs. Predator 2, I think. And it was just like, you could play as a Marine or an alien or a Predator, yeah, and yeah. you got into like these death the- matches, and it was really cool. Um, and then the big one on the PC that I was actually just thinking of, cause you were talking about RPGs. I'm not usually an RPG guy, but when they get me, they really get me. And one of the best I've ever played is, uh, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. 
Uh, I played that on Xbox, but yeah, I love that game. Yeah, I had the PC version and I did play it to completion. I remember like having a heart attack one night because I was right at the end and like the final cutscene was essentially kicking in, but my computer kept crashing. So I had to restart it like three different times or no, probably more yeah. than that, probably like five or six times before I could finally get it to play through. And it was just like, oh my right. God, am I about to like have to replay the final boss fight that already took me like hours and hours and hours to get through. Yeah, that was a hard boss. Ooh. Darth, whatever the hell. Yeah, whatever. Um, or you, you're, you're, I guess it depends on the ending you get, whether you're the bad guy or not. I, I um, got the good ending but, from memory. Yeah, I did, I did too. I was, I was mostly very nice. My, my um, problem with those like moral choice kind of games is like, it's all well and good to like, you can choose to be a dick or anything, but like, I don't know if it's just a reflection of real life or anything, but like, I, I feel like I'm too much of a people pleaser to want to be a dick. And I also know totally. that like, I need to, f- you know, foster good relationships to get good stuff. And yeah, there's like perks or whatever to being bad, but just whenever I like get invested in characters and their stories or whatever, I don't want to be a dick. I want to be a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I think um, Mass Effect did that like somewhat more to the extreme where it's like, well, you could lead them to their death or you could try to have sex with them. I was like, well, I know which way I'm going at this point. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, you're either my personality. You're either like, you know, the second coming of Christ, or you're like Adolf Hitler with no in between. Yeah. It's kind of shocking. I think, I think quite literally in Mass Effect Three. <laughs> um, Probably, yeah. I uh, I played I played some games as a kid. I, I did like the a lot of the Lucas stuff, especially the Star. I loved um, X Wing versus Tie Fighter. Oh sure. Um, yeah, a, a mech warrior. I, I had a joystick. I was big into the joystick type of games. Um, I had a lot of shareware. You know, like you'd have like essentially the demo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I played like the beginnings of Sam and Max. Of uh, oh yeah, Full Throttle. I did a lot of those they like the tentacle. point and click adventure games. Monkey Island. Uh, there was like yeah, an yeah, Ace Ventura um, game back then. Yeah, Grim Fandango. Max, that was a good one. Uh, Grim Fandango is on Game Pass, and I keep thinking I'm going to play it, and I never do. Because I played a little of um, Full Throttle, I got past where I got before the demo like ended. And I'm like, oh, this is just more of this. All right. Yeah. Um, well, I had, so my equivalent to Game Pass, Pass I guess, would be, um, I have uh, PlayStation Plus, which is basically, they have- Yeah, yeah same idea. You, you play, pay a monthly fee, and there's a whole library. And that's been great, because like sometimes I love newer stuff, and other times they'll just be a bunch of older stuff. So it's a great way to sort of go back through like older things. But they had the Grim Fandango remastered, and I played a bit of that like with modern eyes. And it's like, I love this world, and the writing, and the sense of humor, and all that. But also I have to like go online and like look at a walkthrough to like totally. figure out these really obscure puzzles. And at a certain point, that's not fun to play. Well, that's uh, that's what uh, uh, Get Played, that podcast talked about. Like it is a, it's a specific style of gameplay that if you didn't do it as a kid, I think you play now and go, no, 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 I'm not. I'm not going to be into this. Um, I really like the uh, the real time strategy like games. I was a big Command and Conquer guy. My dad um, was, was even... really into Command and Conquer. I think. I there was like a, I wish I knew <laughs> we would have talked oh, about yeah. it. No, I um I've played a few of them. I, I'm not. I've never a big fan. The one I probably got the most into was um there was a Warhammer 40k real time strategy game that was pretty good. I can't. Sure. I couldn't tell you for the life of me what it was called, but I played a lot of that. But otherwise, yeah, I never. Oh no, you I know what? Oh no, I'll tell you what. There was a real time strategy game in like the mid 90s for the Lost World Jurassic Park. Where, where you like, it wasn't like the traditional, like you're summoning an army or whatever, but it was still the same, like real time strategy setup where you're playing as like Ian Malcolm and Sarah Harding and whoever Vince Vaughn's character was. And like, you would like, uh, Nick, Nick something. (laughs) Oh my God. I I know this. Um, Um, Nick Carter. 
Uh, it's got to be. It's Nick, right? I'm, I'm right. Maybe. <laughs> By the way, your game is Chaos Island, The Lost World. That sounds right. And yeah, you would like you would build like little things where you could breed dinosaurs and then you would have dinosaurs that were like part of your troops and you would like cross the map with them and stuff like that. And it was, that was kind of fun and kind of cool. And they bizarrely got all the like actors from the movie to do the voices for it. So like it opens cool. with a cutscene and like fucking Sir Richard Attenborough is like talking to you about this game that you're about to play. <laughs> Um, I'm looking up the name now. <laughs> oh, Vince uh, Nick, the Lost World. Yeah, yeah, I gotta know. Because um, I remember, I remember reading like the book didn't have Nick Van Owen. Van Owen. Yeah, that sounds right. That works. Um, I would be into this game. I my introduction to Dune was the Dune real time strategy game. Oh yeah, you told me about that. Yeah, yeah. There was a uh, there was a Starship Troopers one. There's actually a new Starship Troopers one out. But I uh, yeah, love the Command and Conquer games to the point where. I um, so I have a Mac, so I don't really do games that much anymore. Besides, I have a, a baseball sim I like, where you basically are like the GM of a team, and I have a game where you run for president because, you know, I'm me. But I did buy a um, sort of a gaming laptop, not like a gaming laptop, you know, a powerful one. But I found a like okay priced one that seemed like it'll do the trick, and um, got Command and Conquer. And uh, actually, while I was out in LA for the uh, Critics Choice Awards. Um, most of my free moments, like at the time, you know, I only had to get in a tuxedo. It doesn't take that long. But like, well, my ex was getting, you know, had someone come over to like do their hair and get them done. Like they were going to get nominated for a fucking award there. Um, I definitely played Command and Conquer for an hour or two. <laughs> and like, it's once you remember how to play it, it's it's so much fun. Um, so yeah, like PC games, not really my thing anymore, but they certainly were a thing I did. Um, do you have... Before we get into like our favorite games, for each console, can you think of just a completely random game that probably only you were thinking of that you had? Oh, probably. We can go through them individually. Like for Nintendo, I, I named a couple already. You know, the Captain Skyhawks, the uh, the Tiger Helis. Um, there was a, I think there was a game just called Space Shuttle. Okay. That was so annoying because they were period because you would you know it, it would randomize which based on what endeavor the enterprise discovery whatever but periodically it would just explode as it started i was like wait so sometimes you just lose yeah that sucks yeah that's um, that's games back then i yeah like oh to make it real we just sometimes fuck you over so for the, for the original nintendo i i have two that come to mind because obviously i played some of the classics but um I'll say, I'll say Who Framed Roger Rabbit was another one that probably only I have thought about. Um, so there was one that was like a weird like space one where you're playing as like either an alien or a robot or something. And I can't quite remember the name, but it was some like it was like XXXYZX something like that, like XZX, something odd like that. And I've never heard of anyone ever talk about it, but it was, you know, it's just a side scroller where yeah. you're like robot thing. Oh, yeah, because like, you know, everyone knows 50 of those games you know if i say tech mobile everyone knows that as the football game yeah but there was a game called cyber bowl which was like robots playing football and you could i think pay to like bribe the referees and things like that it was it was wild like that kind of stuff is more what i'm thinking of. So what you're thinking of that's, that's, that's whatever. yeah that's that's definitely where we're going with this but the the one that comes to mind that like i played a fair bit of even though i don't think any of us got past the second level was uh total recall the game oh wow uh which i played that game on the nes probably at least 15 years before i ever saw the movie 
Um, so you didn't know there was a three boob woman in it. You were just looking for hopefully. I, I, I don't know what I thought. I just, uh, yeah. it was what it was a side scroll and you're playing as Arnold and you're shooting. And it's one of those ones. I remember we never got very far because the first boss fight, you go through the first level, you're shooting some people, you're beating people up. The first boss fight, you get into like an apartment complex and there's a person mm. behind a couch, just like shooting you with a machine gun, like immediately, like so black screen contract. color comes up barrage of machine gun fire and if you move even an inch you get shot so like you have to time it like perfectly on reflection that yeah. might have been the sharon stone character but i couldn't tell you for a million bucks now and yeah. then on the occasion that we would get past that we would get the next level where you're like fighting people um uh behind the x-ray machine so your skeletons mm. which was pretty cool but like we never got further than that all right um let's I mean, we can we can talk about different consoles. I, you know, Game Boy. So I mean, there was like a Spider Man game, Game Gear. I had Battletoads, which is like maybe one of the hardest games ever made. It was absurd. Uh, game Gear. Um, I remember I had uh, Cool Spot. <laughs> oh yeah, which was yeah, like I guess cool the Seven Up logo, but that was like our go to yeah, Brandon um, branded content. Yeah. <laughs> um, for the GameCube, let's do a GameCube real quick because we can actually we can do get N sixty four for a second. Um, Plenty of people know this game, but because everyone talks about um, Goldeneye, I like to talk about Perfect Dark. Oh, Perfect Dark is great. Oh, I love the little like red um, sight dot on the gun. That was such a cool touch. Mm -hmm. Um, The Mission Impossible game was absurdly hard and not very good. I remember being a little regretful that I had that. Um, I yeah, some of these games when you're a kid, there's such an investment. Like it's the game you're going to play. Yeah, has to be good. I remember, uh, yeah, I remember one, um, I played a lot of Rayman two, which was pretty good, but that's a Mm. more popular one, but one that's very similar in like look and style is, uh, well, okay. So I have two. So one that was very similar to Rayman down to like all the characters having like no limbs, just like Mm. hands and feet is a game called tonic trouble, which you're like Mm. this little purple alien dude and you're like surfing around and you're going around. There's a game called Glover where you're literally a glove and you're just like rolling around on various balls, solving puzzles. Oh, and one that like I never got very far in, but I always thought was such a great concept was called a uh, Space Station Silicon Valley. And you play as like a little microchip that wandered around, but you can hop into whatever animals you would find. So you would possess like a dog and the dog would have some sort of special power that you would need. Or you'd possess a sheep and the sheep like had a little spring in it. Platformers, don't you? I was big into platformers around that time. Not so much nowadays because maybe my eyesight's gotten worse. I don't know, but I just can't do the jumps anymore. But back in the day, I I did a shitload of platformers. You know what I, I, they're, they're probably on their own way, but I love the N64 wrestling games. Oh, yeah. The WCW games and then the WWF ones. I maintain those are the most fun wrestling games ever made. My- they were just easy to play and you could you could kind of master them. It was fun to buy like the Prima strategy guide just to read. Okay, I got to do this, this. And it did it. And you could do it. it was, the, the new ones are just abysmally hard. Yeah. Um, GameCube, I have a real obscure one. Because everyone played Resident Evil 4. Everyone played like Mario Sunshine and Galaxy and all that. Um, Dead to Rights. Oh, I played Dead like to Rights. That's a good one. Shooter. I loved it because there was that one. There were two missions that really stood out. One, you play as the dog, and I thought that was amazing. And there's one where you get you go you're in prison, like you have to win like a prison boxing match. I also really like the Rocky boxing game. Those are my random ones. Okay, Uh, GameCube. One that comes to mind is uh, it's called Hunter the Reckoning. And it's kind okay. of, do you ever play the gauntlet games? Like the kind of arcade where like four of you are like running around like slashing at droves of things. 
Yeah, it's, I'm definitely Googling this as you look up. Sometimes <laughs> I'm like, oh, I know this game. Uh, it's kind of like that, but it's very heavily like horror aesthetic. So you're playing as nice. like you're fighting zombies and demons. And I remember like one of the first boss fights you're going up against like a giant like demonic teddy bear and like, you know, just like laying into it. And each of the characters had like sort of special abilities. It wasn't like one of the best games, but we definitely rented it a couple times and played the shit out of it. Yeah, modern stuff. I guess there's a little more of the ran- a little less of the random stuff. But I'll I'll just throw out one game from the modern consoles. It's not necessarily good, but it's the strangest game I've ever played. Goat Simulator. Oh, I played that. That's that's a whack one. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 it's. Well, I think it was a uh, it's a test for the software that like they they put out as like a joke. Right. Exactly. But there is something about. I remember my former friend Amanda and I. We. Uh, we she was over at my house once and we I was just like looking at stuff to play. I was like, Do you want to see what Goat Simulator is? She's like, Well, with that title, yeah. And like, it's not fun, but it's weird. And like, there's something about just saying like Goat Simulator. Like, it's just that you make it seem like it's fun and then suddenly it's fun. Yeah. Uh, it is the most random game, maybe, of all time. Okay, right on. Yeah, no, yeah. I've definitely played that. Like, the modern stuff. There isn't really well because you know, like, it's so much of it is so popular, and then like the indie stuff is so prolific that like it's harder for things to. I'll, I'll tell yeah, you like one golf story, like I said. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you one that's more of an indie game that uh, Kelly and I have played like a ridiculous amount of is uh, Overcooked. Which, oh yeah, 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 I know. Which is basically I loved cooking. I loved Cooking Mama on the on the on some of the other earlier consoles. Yeah, like the DS. That was one of the few things I liked. I never played those, but Overcooked is great because it's just like a co op thing where like you're giving a bunch of food orders, but like it's absolute chaos in the kitchen. Usually they're designed in such a way where like they're split in half, so like one of you has to worry about like dishes or chopping, and then yeah, throw yeah. stuff I to the other person, on... and then they do the grilling or whatever. Or I like had this you'll be in like a volcano, switch. or yeah, there's all sorts of crazy stuff. We play. There's two games, and Kelly and I have played both of them to completion because it's just it's I, so frustrating, but it's so satisfying when you get it right. There was a run of like a month or two when I first was up at the lake house that my ex had when when Christy had gotten the lake house, and we brought the Switch up because it was easy to bring stuff. Um, just downloading stuff to play, and this was one of the games we played. And I, I, I realized like we didn't cooperate well on this game, so it was not fun to play. <laughs> Because I'd be like, come on! And then, like, no, it wouldn't work. You know what we did play a ton of? Mm. It's absurd that we did. Um, the Game of Life on the Switch. I don't know that one. You know, Well, you know the Game of Life. Oh, oh is it just like a video game version of the board yes. game? Yes, oh. but I, I, I kind of figured out how to, how to beat it every time. Because there was a weird amount of points you got for doing different things. And when you finished early, you essentially retired. And you could you could still earn stuff. So if you could get to the finish line first, you got a bigger pension. So you got more points right there. And then you could either um, like play it safe and you just got some money every time. Mm-hmm. Or you could like would try to win big and you would get more of these like, um, you know, the different cards that you could draw or the different actions. Like I don't remember if it was like, um, the, you know, career points or, or house point, whatever the thing was. And if you won those things, you got bonuses. So I kind of like cracked the math code of like the um, the probable way to win every time. So that became a fun, like do that all the time. Right. Um, I've left a couple of games out because I want to talk about them when we get to like our favorites. Um, you want to, let's, let's do our, let's, since we've been going a little bit, let's do our favorite games of all time in a second. 
because we have a couple of questions that I completely forgot about. And I don't know that we're going to do games every time. So we should probably do these now. Yeah, this um, is the game episode. And it's, it's Thor and yeah, games. Yeah, it's going to be... This is the game one until we, you know, think of more game stuff. But I a little bit of Jimmy Stewart at the mi- at the beginning and then lots of games. <laughs> yeah, like we're mostly focusing on games. We have at least two more questions, I think. But they're they're not like massively long. OK, I think some people are also asking for like favorite games type situation anyway, which is always good. Uh, I'm just scrolling to find them because uh, go figure. There's a lot of uh, talk about um, the Emmys. OK, here are the two questions we got. Uh, Kayfley asked favorite N64 game. Um, imagine they'll show up on our top 10 lists, but um, it might have to be Goldeneye okay. or one of the wrestling games like No Mercy or something like that or WCW like World Tour okay. in terms of like what I played the most. But I'm going to think about it. Yeah, no, totally. Also- um, as we've discussed, most of my N64 stuff was varying degrees of platformers. Um, yeah. There's some classics. I want to give honorable mention to uh, Zelda Ocarina of Time, which I still think is the best Zelda game. I've been playing a bit of Breath of the Wild and I like it, but it's also just a lot. And when I get to a certain age as a gamer, a lot becomes too much. Um, yeah. We'll probably get into some open world stuff in a bit. But for me, like outside of something like Red Dead Redemption 2, where I'm so into the world that I can just like play it through. It like you need a really good hook for me to like play a game like that for more than a few days. Um, but yeah, um, for N64, I think my favorite is probably going to be Banjo Kazooie. That's one I played nice. a lot. It might have actually even been one of my first ones that I played on there. And I don't know. There's just something so fun and charming and innocent about it. But it's also like challenging. It's one of the best of those like collectathon type games that were really big back then. Um mm. It's a bummer to me that that franchise sort of withered and died on the vine because I think there was a lot of potential there. Yeah, I mean, the honorable mention to like the Turok games. Oh, those were good. Those, you know, the various um, uh, Mario games. Um, I'm going to say that in some some order, my five, you know, um, so Goldeneye and Perfect Dark, they're essentially the same game, but they're they're great. Um, and then two games that are actually kind of similar to me in that I love a good flying game. So Star Fox 64. Oh, that's a great one. Be my number one. That's a great love one. That game. Yeah, I played a lot I of actually, that one. Um, I don't have the the Switch. I have a, I have a Switch Lite now. The Switch um, <laughs> lost in a divorce, as it were. Um, they had that thing where they had the um, you could play some N64 games on the Switch. Yeah. I uh, definitely was getting back into Star Fox 64. Um, so, you know, another thing I can mourn. Um, but if not Star Fox, Star Wars Rogue Squadron. Oh, that was a good one. So good. Um, other things that weren't as good, you know, and obviously, like like I said, WWF No Mercy. But, like, I I, I love the Wave Race 64. Um, so, like, that kind of stuff that was kind of a racing game but was a little different. Um, you know, or just a weird, like, but Pokemon Snap was surprisingly fun. Snap was good. I actually um, played a lot of Pokemon Stadium. Stadium was all right. Oddly, the um, the battle got boring to me quicker. Yeah, that's fair. Snap, I kind of liked that it was almost like playing Jurassic Park, if Pokemon were Jurassic Park. There was something interesting there for me. Um, all right, so we did that one. And then our other question before we uh, wrap up with our top tens is uh, Nicholas W. Landry says, what would be your dream cast for a GTA V limited series? Oh, okay. So I definitely haven't played as much GTA five as you. I have gotten into it, but I never came even close to completing it. 
but I know at least the three main characters, so we could probably just do that. Yeah, I mean, those are the those are the ones we could focus on, Trevor, Michael, and Franklin. Yeah, um, if you have anything in mind, go for it, because i got to think about it for a second. Um, I think that, as I look at them, I'm just taking a look as I think. I mean, obviously, Michael could be Ray Liotta, but well, not anymore. Not anymore. Um, you know what I have to say for Trevor? Billy Bob Thornton. Billy Bob Thornton back in, like, the 90s. I don't know about now so much. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, now we want to go a little younger. Um, who is like effectively scuzzy? I'm trying to think you could or like would really go wild with this. I mean, obviously, there's like you could go crazy and be like, you know, I'm sure Ryan Gosling would shave his head and like love this kind of crazy stuff. But is it sure. too like out there? Because that's the other thing with a lot of these characters. You that crazy a character a lot of people who don't look anything like him are going to want to play that role sure i'm almost imagining like a tim blake nelson or someone like that maybe maybe a little old for the role yeah yeah. but somebody who's like a like a very character actor like that who's like very used to sort of transforming yeah um for franklin i think john boyega would be good oh he'd be perfect that's my choice for sure yeah so we're good on that one um Um, i'm imagining like a michael imperioli or something for um is it Michael? Maybe. Um, yeah, yeah, like some, somebody um, who's got that sort of because he's the closest to like the classic GTA, like, you know, Sopranos kind of character. Totally. I'd be OK with that. Yeah, that, that works. Um, all right. Favorite games of all time. Go for it. All right. So I've got a few honorable mentions here before we get to the top 10. And I, I prepared this ahead of time, but even as we were talking, I kept being like, oh, well, what about like Red Dead Redemption 2 yeah. or, or what about this? Um, and so there's, you know, dozens more that I could have put on here, but I tried to and narrow I'm gonna, it down. Yeah, and I'm just going to let you guys know ahead of time, I'm straight up cheating and one of my picks is a franchise. So sorry. That's fair. Well, yeah, my number two spot is like a, literally a tie between two. Um, but otherwise, I tried to go with just one game per franchise because otherwise you'd be here all day. Um, yeah. But Honorable mentions in no particular order, um, and some of these we've already touched on, but Banjo-Kazooie, uh, the original Donkey Kong Country, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, uh, the most recent God of War. I like I like that franchise mm-hmm. as a whole, but the most recent one was like, holy shit good, and like, as soon as I started it, I like couldn't put it down. Um, and then probably the only JRPG that I've ever played i don't think i quite finished it but i got darn close is a uh, persona 5 not no, not fine. normally i don't i'm not usually into like turn-based battles i'm not usually into that whole thing but for some reason it's so stylish it's it like it's like anime the game and there's a lot of like yeah. anime type games but this one really goes all out on like the presentation the characters are very compelling there's like a social simulator sort of aspect to it where you're like deciding who to spend your time with and like build relationships with and like that was like that stuff. that that affects your performance when you're going into like this inception style like fantasy dungeons i don't know it's just a weird mix of all these sort of things but i was really into it um and then getting to my top 10 and the order of these outside of like the first the higher on the list is kind of nebulous but that's how these things go uh, at number 10, I've got Super Smash Brothers Melee. Now, I've played cool. Ultimate, and it probably is technically a better game because it's just got everything Melee has and more. But Smash Bros. is one of my favorite fighting game franchises. It's one that 
me and my brothers have played endlessly. And Melee was the one that really just like, we put stupid amount of hours into that game. And it's just, I don't know. It's the kind of thing that like, even if you've never played a video game before, you can spend a little while on that one and like figure it out pretty quickly. And there's something really fun and compelling about it. Uh, Number nine, I have, so this for me, I never really had the nostalgia for GoldenEye because I just didn't play much of it at the time. Um, So this for me was the uh, first person shooter that I think it might even be from some of the same development team. I'm not sure. But this is the one that like I always wish got that same love, uh, which is Time Splitters 2. Oh, cool. That is a game that like. It, it like bounces around in different eras. So you're like, you're doing one where you're like in 30 Chicago and you're using like Tommy guns and stuff. And then you're doing a sci-fi one. And then you're doing like a Soviet Russia thing. And you're just bouncing around all these different things. And it's got such a wide variety. I remember the multiplayer was insane because there was like hundreds of characters you could play as and all sorts of weird settings on the maps and stuff. That's, that's a really fun one that like it had a sequel, but then like that franchise has been dormant for years. And I really would like to see a new one. Uh, number eight, I have Spider-Man, the most recent one for the PS4. Um, it's amazing. It's, you know, that is very much an open world game where just the act of getting around is so fun that, you know, I could just get absorbed in it for hours. Uh, and it's also just a really good Spider-Man story on its own merits, which is not what you would expect. And as we've seen with more recently with that Avengers game, not necessarily the easiest thing to do. Yeah. Um, that Avengers game is, is okay. It's just. It, no, it's it bad. So it's fun. bad. <laughs> I like. It's, I like the. It's bad the because it should be great, and the fact that it's That's just true. good makes it worse than it actually is. It's like tolerable, but it's not fun. Like I don't know anyone That's who fair. like stuck with it for more than like a month or no, so. No, I never got to play with Spider Man or, or Black Panther. I didn't. No, I, I sent it back once I finished it. Yeah. Well, I play. The only reason I played it at all is because they had it on PlayStation Plus for like a month or two, and I played like. Fair you know, a few levels in, it was just like, nah, this, oh, yeah, this is totally not anything. It's, it's on Game Pass right now. I just, like, I'm not going to start it up. Uh, and number seven, I have, this one might be a little bit of a deeper cut, uh, Def Jam Fight for New York. Uh, this one's on the, uh, on the GameCube. And this is, um, it's kind of like the original was Def Jam Vendetta. And that was more of like a classic wrestling game, but you just had a bunch of like yeah. rappers, like as your characters, but this one really blew it out. It had a b- bunch more fighting styles in it, like kickboxing and martial arts. And you-, you could really customize a character and sort of, you know, play it how you wanted to. It was just so deep, you know, you play in like a subway and you would like try and throw people in front of the moving train or like you play in a bar and like you could grab pool cues and beer bottles and hit each other. It's just, it was something that was just so fun. And it's the kind of fighting game that they really don't make anymore. Like you see like whatever the current wrestling games are, but they're not, they don't have anywhere near as personality as this one. Uh, Number six, I have Hitman blood money. Uh, This could kind of be a stand in for the whole Hitman franchise, which I absolutely adore. But this is the one I think I've put the most time into and just it has the best balance because Absolution I liked a lot, but it put a lot of emphasis on the story, which which is which can be hit and miss. We talked about this off air last week, which is the one where you have that like fat guy in like a meat locker who's like molesting little girls that you kill. Oh, God, I don't remember. It might be blood money, but it might also be two. I think that I think it might be Hitman. It was it's not the last the newest generation. No, it's not from the new trilogy because I only played one or two of the older ones because they were so hard. Yeah, the, the um, early ones then, like I played Hitman two a fair bit. But yeah, it's just like 
the, the AI is so unforgiving in that. I think by exactly. Blood Money, they had sort of the balance much better. The the new trilogy, I think, is the most fun to play just because it's, yeah. it's not an open world, but it's it's more forgiving for like you can bumble your way through. Yeah, well, I, I that's what I like through. about it is that it is more forgiving and there's a little not quite hand holding, but it's a little more intuitive in terms of, oh, I have this key card. I can use it to go here. And then there's a uniform I could put. I'm like, you can sort of feel it out. Whereas the other ones, you kind of just had to like, you know, brute force it again and again until you figured out yeah. the sort of train there's, of logic. There's there's undeniably something fun about, I forget which level in one of the new ones is where you definitely push someone off like a really tall building as yeah. a way to kill them. Or the um i think i called it the knives out level yeah exactly in, where there's like a uh, murder mystery one. happening and you're you yeah, can like you put can yourself in the to, middle of it yeah you can basically be benoit blanc in the middle of it like that is maybe one of the single most fun levels of a game i've played in a long time even if i don't know that i enjoy the game so much as like i enjoy the concept of the hitman games and like i told you playing it on ps5 is very weird because of the the way the um the pressure that you have to put on the trigger to shoot is, yeah. is too real. Like it, it's, it's bothersome at the beginning. Yeah. I like the new ones a lot. I think they do sort of suffer, suffer from some of the open world game problems of today where they can be a little too dense. Whereas I think yeah. blood money sort of streamlined it in such a way where it's a big map and there's stuff to do, but there's not like so much to do that you just get lost. Oh yeah. There are definitely times where you're just like, this is a city. <laughs> okay. Or like one of them was like an entire like racetrack where there's like a race going on. And you're like, okay, yeah. there's a lot to do here. I pr- there's probably a way to like have the guy get hit by a race car, but I don't know how. That seems complicated. Yeah. Or like I remember even in the first of the newer ones, there's like a map that's like you're in this city and like it feels like you can go through the entire city. And there's also like an, yeah. an embassy in the middle of it that you go through that would have been a whole map in one of the earlier games. Oh, yeah. No, there's 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 so there's almost too many ways to do things. And it teases you because you'll start to um, – you'll overhear our conversations and it'll give you like that hint. I love that they do the hints. Yeah, the, the hints make it make – it, because it doesn't like this is what you have to do. But it's more like, oh, well, you could pursue this and then you sort of feel yeah, it yeah, out like intuitively. Oh, that – yeah, that general is going to a meeting with your guy. Like maybe you want to see if you could take the meeting instead. You're like, oh, I got to poison or kill this guy. I got you. Exactly. Um, so yeah, those are all great. Uh, number five, I've got The Last of Us Part Two. Um, mm, spoiler, it'll be on my list too. And it's great. It's so beautiful. It's so emotional. Both games are great. And if I felt like cheating, which I do later on in the list, I could probably just have them both tied here. But if I only had to pick one, it would be the second one. Cause just the emotions hit harder. And the fact that it like, it really, it takes the character you're familiar with, you know, puts you on this revenge mission, like gives you basically a whole game's worth of building up to that and then like pumps the brakes and makes you play as like who you thought of as the villain. And like over time you become like just as emotionally invested in her as you do with Ellie. And then by the oh, end yeah, of the it, the fact that you're playing, you're playing this game and you, you, you know, you're only halfway through. It's like, Oh, I've got like 15 hours of this game left or something like that. And now my friends in this game are people I know I've murdered. Exactly. Like, well, that's what I love game. is when you're playing as, um, is it Abby? Um, Abby, yeah. You're, yeah, you're like having like, you know, really intimate and friendly interactions with people that you know you've already murdered as Ellie later in the timeline. And it just yeah. it just creates this fascinating. And then there's two big moments where the two of them fight each other. And it's like, it's tense, not just because of the gameplay, which is excellent, but also because like, 
you're kind of invested in both of them now and you don't want anything bad to happen right. to either of them because they both suffered so much at this point. And the, well, I'll talk about it more when we, when I get to it on my list, but like the, the false ending yeah. of like, Oh, okay. Oh wait, no, we're going to get into like two of the biggest like action set pieces of the game after you think the game is over. Exactly. It's, but it doesn't have that like false ending thing where you're where you feel kind of cheated is like oh okay that was a not natural wrap up but now we're going to keep going it feels very in keeping with the characters um so yeah those are great uh number four i have batman arkham city um Mm, i love to have a batman game on my list too i love 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 the arkham games um and as much as i like spider-man i think probably because i like batman just a little bit more as a character i really gravitate towards these ones i think Second, maybe only to the 90s animated series. They're one of the best uh, interpretations of the Batman world and characters that have ever been. Sure. Um, And Arkham City for me really hit that perfect balance because Asylum is great and it starts everything off, but it is a much more limited location and it is a lot more linear by design. And then Knight gets into all the Batmobile stuff, which when it's the tank fighting is okay but the racing stuff is really rough and not so fun to play and it goes back to the racing stuff we talked about before exactly you and don't have us race in games where you don't race and i think the uh culmination of the story in that one is not nearly as satisfying city just it really like it has a good story at the core of it but it also really captures that feeling of you feel like you're batman out on a night of patrol and you can just you can wander around the city you can find a riddler trophy you can find a gang that's like mugging someone you can you know get a phone call from victor's ass you can get drugged by the mad hatter like the possibilities feel endless and even though i've played it through multiple times it's one that i keep coming back to because just it really captures that feeling in a really great way i do wonder if we're ever going to get obviously the next game is is not this but like the spider-man version of a batman game like where you can just be kind of patrolling the city without the main story going on quite as much yeah Um, i mean in some ways, I would say the Arkham games walked so that the new Spider-Man could run. Um, exactly. So I feel like they kind of they do very much overlap with each other, which is why they're both on my list. I think if they, I think if they, re- if they ever reboot and like do like a like a year one type thing, like an introduction well, new a Batman, that's kind of what they did with Origins, which is apparently not very yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> Origins was a different studio, but like if they if they did something closer to that, or like the way that the Batman is like year two, right. essentially, like if they do something like that, where it's like okay, Batman out on patrol, but there's still a lot more maybe like leeway in how you play it. That could be really interesting because Spider Man, you know, you you there is some leeway in how you do it. Yeah, absolutely, and it, and it does feel like you're designing how your Spider-Man is as a hero. Uh, how many people you go to save? Do you, do you take down all these side things? Like how, how concentrated on the main plot are you? Uh, you know, how often do you go to talk to the side characters as much as you want to just fly it around? It feels like the balance of Spider-Man. I think Batman, you know, there's less of that, but I, I would be interested in like, you know, if you're out, you know, or, or if a game like had to figure out how you had to work in enough Bruce Wayne. Yeah, that would be interesting. Be a wild choice. Like, how do you balance out? Well, you got to go and drive like your Lamborghini around so people see Bruce Wayne, or do you go looking for crime? Well, you almost turned it into like kind of a hitman game in its structure in terms of like how you balance those things. Yeah, you got to like do this for appearances, and then you got to do this for the mission. You can kind of go back and forth. That'd be interesting. 
Totally, like the like a like a not quite an open world Grand Theft Auto game, but enough where you design sort of how your Batman is. Right. Um, at number three, I have one that this is very much one that I feel like I'm one of the few people who's a big champion of it. But I absolutely Conquer's Bad Fur Day. I do like Conquer's Bad Fur Day, but it's not on here. Um, it's Eternal Darkness Sanity's Requiem. And sure, why not? This is a it's basically a Cthulhu adaptation without you know, the name or the licensing, but it's very Lovecraftian and it spans like several mm. thousand years and you're playing as 12 different characters across time. And it's kind of a survival horror thing, but there's magic involved and it's got such a great story. And it's, I don't know, it's one of the more innovative designs for this kind of thing in terms of its structure. Mm. I've always thought it would make an amazing, like if HBO or someone wanted to put the money into it, it would make an amazing miniseries. Um, I mean, if The Last of Us works. Yeah, could be. Well, I mean, they've got quite a few they would go through before they would get Speaking to of, something probably, obscure like probably, this. Probably next year or two years from now, Emmys, we'll see The Last of Us there. See, we did Emmy talk now. There you go. Yeah, I'm very excited for The the Last of Us show, and I like the casting a lot. Um, but yeah, this is just one where it's like, you know, it's one that was maybe made only for me. But again, I played it multiple times, and I absolutely adore it. Uh, number two, I have a tie between Earthworm Jim one and two because I love them both and I can never pick a favorite. They're both good for different mm -hmm. reasons. One is a bit more sort of structurally sound, but it's way harder and much less forgiving. Um, two is much easier to sort of go through and has a lot of variety, but as a result of that, some levels are more interesting than others. Uh, but they're both just the world they create and the character and just everything about it. I've, I love that. And I always have. Um, and then my number one, my favorite game of all time, and I think we even talked about this last week, is Resident Evil 4. And nice. I love the Resident Evil series as a whole. Uh, they did a remake of the first game on the GameCube that, like, it's shocking how good that still looks. Because they did all the pre-rendered backgrounds, so everything kind of looks photorealistic, so they just had to do the characters. Um, it's, and it's great. I love the recent remakes they did for, uh, two and three. I love seven. I haven't played eight yet, but I really want to like, you know, there's some duds throughout because it's such a long running series, but like the yeah. great ones are so great. But four for me is just, it's a perfect blend of it's scary, but it's also campy and the gameplay is really compelling. And it just, oh my God, just that's one I probably, probably replayed. Resident Evil 4 more times than any one game. I played it on multiple systems. I play, I did it on GameCube. I replayed it on play, PS4. I'm currently playing it in VR. Um, it's just, it's one. VR is kind of cool. It is. It's kind of fascinating because you get like really up close to all the things that before you only saw over Leon's shoulder. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so honorable mention to the whole Resident Evil franchise, but RE4 is just for me, like nothing in video games has quite hit that same high for me. Nice. Um, <clears throat> uh, my honorable mentions, uh, two of them we mentioned already, Perfect Dark and Rogue Squadron. Um, I also have Resident Evil 4 as an honorable mention. Um, sort of a side honorable mention, I do like 6, Biohazard, the first person one. Uh, that's 7. It was, uh, so, oh yeah, sorry, 7. Um, but yeah, I really yeah, like I, that one. I, yeah. I, I five and six didn't work for me. No, the same uh, with most five, people. <laughs> yeah, five five is too action heavy, which you'd think would be kind of cool, but I don't know. Like I think I don't remember if we were on air or not when I mentioned like it's set in like North Africa, I believe, and it just 
feels racist. Yeah, it's very problematic. Like it just, also, five and six um, made the mistake of making them too co-op focused, which yeah, and I didn't do it that way. I, I remember well, but even if you don't do it with another person, you're still stuck with stuck with an AI partner that exactly, more often than not will that. like eat through all your good resources and like not help you out when you need well, them. Six, six was weird because it was three different characters so it was three different types of resident evil game yeah and, and none of them really came together exactly it was like one of them was like kind of close to four and one was like kind of close to five and one was trying to do something else i don't know i remember that they were kind of interesting things like the building where there's like a giant snake kind of situation yeah but some of the stuff that tried to be a little puzzly was not was not good um Oh, uh, honor, also, honorable mention to the Metal Gear Solid series. I've only played yes. like one in five, but I really like them. I've I've only fully played um, Phantom Pain, which is what, five? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't know what the fuck is going on narrative wise. Oh, no. But. They're all fucking nonsense. I, I would also, I mean, I say recommend as though anyone has the ability to play them now, but uh, they remade the first one on the GameCube under the name The Twin Snakes. And that was a really cool way to sort of get to see that story. The gameplay is a little wonky, but like the story is so weird and so interesting that it kind of like pulls you through. Yeah, I played my first experience with them was watching my friend play, I guess, the first not the first one because Metal Gear. But I think Metal Gear Solid was the one where you had to switch the controller to beat uh, Psycho Mantis, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, because he could read. Yeah, like he could read your memory card. So we knew what kind of games you were playing, which was always funny. Exactly. That was kind of cool. I never well, it was fun. Really it was funnier. It. it was funnier on the GameCube because, like, you know, odds are you were playing, you know, fewer adult games. Would be like, oh, I see yeah. you're a fan of Super Mario Sunshine. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, yeah, you're like, oh, oh, great. Um, and then I had played was it Guns of the Patriot or something like that? But that was the one where like everyone got very pissed that the, the camera was strange and like you you weren't playing a snake for most of it. Well, you were riding, yeah, that. exactly. And everyone hates riding. Um, but I do like. I did like five. It was kind of obviously it's more a little more open world. I did like the idea that at a certain point you kind of had all these things at your at your disposal, and you could kind of just like wreck shit. All of them also being like hard and vaguely stealthy. Um, so yeah, that could be a, a honorable mention for me as well. Um, oh, and also honorable mention Arkham. to sorry, honorable mention to the Silent Hill franchise, which is my favorite franchise yeah. that I've never finished a game of because the puzzles are just way <laughs> too obtuse. But I love the aesthetic and, and just the vibe of it, and two especially is really good. I'm sure you're pissed that the uh, the Kojima Del Toro version never happened. God, that would have been so good, and I'm and like we uh, get Silent Hills, yeah, and we got Death Stranding instead. Like that's not that's not an yeah. acceptable substitute. I always- <laughs> I always think I'm going to pick up Death Stranding again, and I don't. I I, um, I want to like the idea of it, but anytime I like look at a video of it or like look into it, and it's like, oh, it's a walking simulator where you have poop grenades and you have to like you know hit the accept button like 50 times to drop off a single package. It's just like, nah, I can't get into that. That's too much micromanagement. Yeah, it's, yeah there was too much in it for me. Um, I uh, yeah, PT the Silent Hills demo that you can only play now. If you have a PS3, I think. That has it like preloaded onto it. Yeah, and they sell for like a thousand dollars. Yeah. That's yeah, that's they they should make that like that's still one of the best like horror games ever, and it's just like a demo, basically. Yeah. I uh yeah. The, the walkthrough video is pretty cool. Um I have the Batman Arkham series as an honorable mention. I kind of like Asylum and Night a little more than City, but we covered all of them essentially. Um things you didn't mention. 
Um, Far Cry 5, mm. I hated all the Far Cry games. But for some reason, I liked and beat five. And maybe it was like the domestic terrorists kind of thing. And like you're like just in Montana dealing with essentially like January 6th people. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I like that one so much, but I did. Um, completely on the other end of the spectrum, Dr. Mario. Oh, that is on the opposite no end of the spectrum. Is more soothing than like sitting there and, and just making sure that the, uh, the pills go in the right order. That's another thing I used to do with my ex, like as a like cool down period like oh let's play some dr mario or like with my friends it, I, I love that game um the other honorable mention for me is heavy rain because the story makes no sense i i like that one as like a wacky interactive saw movie basically exactly same with I, uh, I love, until dawn is a really good like interactive story type game one i was one shy on the um or the super missive i think is that company that does yeah. until dawn and Met, uh, Man of Medan. I actually have the quarry sitting here as my latest Gamefly game that I'm going to start up one of these days soon. Um, I did like Heavy Rain. They are, Quantic Dream did, did Heavy Rain. They did a game before this that was kind of proto-make decisions called Indigo Prophecy. I played Indigo Prophecy, which was like amazing and revolutionary like from a gameplay standpoint, but the story is fucking like banana sandwich. Yeah, it's like Born Matrix kind of thing without being like nearly as interesting but was fun to play um heavy rain is i think their best game in terms of like they weren't i don't know the new the other two they did um was it two souls beyond two souls well elliot page uh yeah which yeah it's like that one's just a lot of ideas and it never really comes together the foe in that one also yeah it's one of those ones it just jumps around in time a lot so you never really Yeah, it was also hard to figure out like you would i would lose or die and i feel like the game would progress and I'm not sure why. Like, yeah, it, it, that I felt like eventually you were just like kind of watching the movie. You, you didn't have and you then, didn't have the thread that Heavy Rain had, where like you, exactly. you were investigating these murders and stuff like that. It was just it was bouncing around, and it wasn't until like the very end where you had any sense of where it was going. Exactly, and Detroit um, Become Human is better than uh, Two Souls, but yeah, but it's not as good as Heavy Rain, and it's exactly its analogies of like robots as racism is kind of clunky and never really comes together. Um, Gives me hope though, because apparently they're working on a Star Wars game. Yep, I I heard about that. I'd I'd be curious how it goes. Also, honorable mention, I know we're doing a lot of honorable mentions, but (laughs) the Telltale games, which are also kind of in that genre of story-driven. I like the Batman one's best. The Batman one's really good. I played The Wolf Among Us, which was a really cool... It's like... I didn't play that one. A film noir in, like, fairy tale land. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I played one of the Walking Dead ones. I was into that. Yeah, those are good. But yeah, it's just... I mean, once you've played one, you've played them all, because they very much... Exactly. ...fill the same formula. But I I, I like those sort of story-driven games where, like, you feel like your decisions matter. I feel like more so than in, like, a Mass Effect, where it's just, like... You're just filling out one side of the bar or the other. Yeah. Wasn't there, is there a Guardians of the Galaxy one? Is that yes. one of the latest ones? I didn't play that one. I played the Guardians game that came out recently that was pretty good. Um, I I kind of wish that they had done the Telltale um, Jurassic Park game a little more recently because it's just too many consoles back to really play anymore. Yeah. And I would have liked that one. Uh, my top 10. Number 10, Goldeneye. I know a lot of it is the the multiplayer, but I did enjoy playing as Bond. And like the first level, you can end up with a tank and like having um, a silencer on the pistol felt revolutionary. All those things were really fun to me. Um, a million things have been said about that game. I don't have to go on and on. Uh, number nine is Spider-Man. 
Nice. You uh, also have Spider-Man, so we don't have to get too much into it, but Spider-Man's great. I'm playing Miles Morales. I like it. Not quite as much, just because it doesn't feel as new as that Love and Thunder versus Ragnarok feel for me. I'm just like, oh, it's not brand new and, and exciting. Um, I'm also playing it slow because I know it's a short game. But I am very, very excited for Spider-Man 2. Which yeah. Which I think is next year. Because then you have Peter, you have Miles Morales, and they're introducing Venom, which makes me think Spider-Man 3 will have Carnage. Could do. Could do. I mean, Spider-Man has probably one of the best rogues galleries outside of Batman. So there's always options for something like this. Oh, yeah. I mean, they burn through a lot early on, but they have plenty still. Yeah. And they do okay with their original ones, like, because their stories are good for, like, these newer characters that you don't know offhand. Um, my number eight, Red Dead Redemption 2. Nice. That, that, uh, was, that was just shy of breaking into my list. I really like that one. I remember I was – so I initially bought the game – I had had, um, some of you know, I'd had some oral surgery at one point. I was like, well, I'm going to not be doing a whole lot. So let me just buy this game. And I didn't open it for a little bit. And then my my friend Amanda that I mentioned before had gotten it, started to play it and hated it. It was just like, I it took a half hour. I was walking on my horse, like the very beginning of the game. Like didn't get really past that. Picked it up again. And she had a problem. I think, I think what's the, is the town Strawberry? Yeah. One, one what, of the early towns. Yeah, where you, where you like you can't go at the beginning because you're wanted, and for some reason yeah, she that, got stuck. Where like I struggle she was with there, that too. So she took get killed. Um, yeah, you just have to avoid that town. So she was like, I don't want it anymore. So I just returned mine and played played hers, and eventually I beat it. I loved it. I love the fact that if you're good to your horse, spoiler alert for like a five year old game at this point, the when the horse dies, you have like a like a heartbreaking scene with it where you thank it. Yeah. As opposed to just like whatever. Oh my God, I wasn't expecting that. And I may have almost cried. But like you say, thank you to the horse. Um, such a good game. I played the first one and it was good. This game was phenomenal. Even though it's frustrating that like even more, even more so than in Grand Theft Auto, I think because it's newer, like so many things happen around you where you're like, wait, what? Oh, but all the like rescuing people and or like, you know, lassoing a guy running away from the wall, like all that stuff is, is uh, amazing. Yeah. Gotta love it. Um, just a good story. Uh, number seven, Star Fox, which I mentioned. Just maybe the most purely fun, like, aerial game. And I love the Ace Combat games, but they're all, like, strange, like, clearly translated from Japanese, and there's something lost in translation there. Yeah. Um, but they're fun. Uh, my, what is this, a 10, 9, 8, 7, my number six, Super Mario Brothers, baby. Oh, OG Super Mario Brothers? <laughs> Yeah, like NES. Like, come on. Something about it is still fun. And that tells you something. Like, maybe the first video game I ever played is still one of the most fun games you can play. Now, into the top five, they get a little more complicated. Number five, Knights of the Old Republic. Nice. My The only RPG I've ever really liked. And get, I get it's like a light RPG. But that's about as much as I can do. Yeah. Before I start going, I don't care. Like, just, I want to have a fun, like, I love the story. Uh, it's, it's, for what it is, it's perfect. And I would, I would love to have another one of those. I, I like the new Star Wars game, but as I think this is another off-air conversation we had, I hate that you have to uh, backtrack as much as you do. Oh, I know for Fallen Order. I, li- I like that one yeah. a lot, but I definitely get that. I we never really talked about these, but I could never get bad into the Soulsborne games just because they're yeah. so unforgiving. 
I didn't like I didn't really get in them either. The Star Wars version because it's a little more forgiving is better, yeah. but but it, but it still so has hard. a lot of those same tra- traits. And a big yeah. one of that is that you do have a lot of just sort of traipsing across the map and, oh, I've got to like do this fight again because it takes me like 10 minutes to surf through the ice area or whatever. Yeah. What was annoying was not even that you have to backtrack, but like hours later in the game, you have to play that same level again, just from the opposite side. And you're like, I, I don't want to. Like, this doesn't seem intuitive to the story. Uh, but... It is still great. Um, my number four, Command and Conquer. Kind of a stand-in for the franchise, but I love the first game. It's just, there's something about the, like, build your army and, like, having it succeed. I don't know. I I, I have that sort of brain. I, I spend way too much time on, like, management sims. So I, this is kind of like management sim, but for war. My number three is The Last of Us. That game was a mindfuck. Especially the ending. You're like, wait, what? Obviously, you 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 feel for his decision, but you're just stunned by it. Besides, it's just a fun game. That game is aces, um, which leads me to I didn't split them. I mean, I didn't I didn't uh, cheat for this one. My number two is The Last of Us Part Two. Oh wow! Okay. Every yeah, everything about it is better, and um, you said it very well. But I will expand just on. I love that after your initial like confrontation, and the game settles into like kind of a happy ending for for uh, for ellie and you're like okay and at that point it was probably would have been like just cracking my top 10 because like oh this is so much better looking and like there's a little more to it and like i didn't get caught up in like there's what's the one type of zombie type thing that just kills you when it finds you not like a oh uh the one that's like a tree right the clicker yeah the clickers just the first game had a little too much of the clickers and just I, I, I like that the new game didn't get obsessed with them. It wasn't it, it wasn't as much about, well, you're going to die. Yeah. Um, and also, as much as I hated it, the fact that there was so much attention paid to if you shot the, the like the malicious dog, the guy would mourn the dog. Or the or the, the like, you know, if you or if like two guys are standing and one walks away and you and you snipe the guy, he'll walk back. But like, Gary, no. Yeah, like they all have names and like they all like I, I, I thought that was kind of brilliant. And it really highlights, you know, sort of the monster that the characters are becoming. Oh, yeah. I, I actively avoided killing the dogs whenever I could. I know there's a there was a non-lethal way to get through them or like you could. I don't remember, I don't remember what the thing was that was non-lethal, but it was games hard also. Yeah. Um, but yeah. You get your like kind of like happy ending, and then um, the brother shows up with news, like, "Oh, we found her." Yeah, like, "Oh, oh, wait," because that's the thing. People forget that like this game, you play as Joel for a little bit, which they were kind of vague enough on, like, "Oh, Ellie's a playable character." Was all they really told you? Like, "Oh, is this from Ellie's point of view?" I'm like, no, it's both of them, uh, but there are two point of views, and what was it like two or three hours into the game? You play as Joel, and he gets viciously murdered uh, by the character you'll later play. It's just it's odd. Oh, you kind of saw it coming, but to then make I, I remember the um, the creator of the game said that the first game was it Neil Druckmann, I think. Yeah, yeah, Druckmann. Yeah, the first game is about love. The second game is about hate. Yeah, and I love that. That's so accurate. And then the sec, the you know, the end of the second game with you play as Ellie again, and you go hunt down uh, Abby. Who's like got her own life now and is very much moved on and like exactly like with 
what's the town? It's there's like a California town that she's like looking around for and gets essentially captured by the militia thing, which she's only like vaguely involved in anymore. Like you said, she's got her own life and just leads to this just carnage at their base and their fight on the beach. And like, oh, God, good it's heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah, like she loses like was Abby loses fingers. <laughs> oh, it's amazing and awful. Um, and for my number one, I'm cheating. It's the Grand Theft Auto franchise, the modern incarnation from four on um, from three on. I'm sorry, three, four five. Hard to hard to argue with. And like San Andreas and Vice City, like they're just they're so good. They're, they're, that's my type of game. Like they've got it, satire. It's fun to play. You can just fuck around in it. I love that they all make time for different sort of styles. So if you want to, like I said, just sort of like run around the movie industry for a little bit, you can. If you want to pretend to be a cop a little bit, you can. It's It, it does everything. I, I'm a huge, huge fan. Um, so that would be my pick. And if I had to break it down, I prob- it just depends. I just played the new one. So like maybe that's my pick, though I think four. I think there's something about driving around New York that is that is a little more fun for me driving on la kind of makes me sad because i haven't you know i haven't been back in a little bit but so good amazing um so we should wrap up so say where you can be followed and tell me um just one more game you hope they make that you know is not gonna get made sort of the, the spin-off sequel it doesn't have to be a spin-off or a sequel but just like Maybe another company or another style of game. Whatever you want. Okay. Uh, well, you can follow me at both Twitter and Letterboxd at Miles on Film. That's M-Y-L-E-S on Film. Please check out my short films, American Exorcist and Once Upon a Dracula. They are both on YouTube under Aftershock Pictures and Chase Capo, respectively. Please check out my writing for Awards Radar and Looper. And what do I want to see that we haven't already mentioned? Um... Maybe like adaptation. We haven't really done one of those. Yeah. Um, hmm. I've probably thought about this. I mean, I would like I would have liked to see a good Avengers game. <laughs> you know, that's fair. You know, I think uh, I don't think it's unreasonable to say that the most popular characters on film should also have a decent video game to keep up with them. But outside of Spider-Man, yeah. there was uh, like there was a good Hulk game, uh, Ultimate Destruction. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. And um there's a couple of decent ones here or there, but like, you know, aside from a few movie tie-ins back from phase one, like it's kind of shocking how few good Marvel games there are. There's Ultimate Alliance, yeah. which is very much in that gauntlet style um, kind of thing, but it's not quite up there. Yeah. 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 Uh, you can find me, Joey Magazine, Facebook, Twitter, Letterboxd, all that stuff, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, awards radars on several things. I will say, you know what I want? I want a better version of a game we got. I want a really good Deadpool game. Yeah. Like, that should be a really fun game. Like, Deadpool should be a Grand Theft Auto or... Um, or, like, the modern... That, um, it should be the modern Conker's Bad Fur Day. Yeah, yeah. Or what's the what's the what's that other game that's not Grand Theft Auto that's the same style but super... Um, uh, Saints Row. Style as... Yeah, Saints Row. Which I never liked. They were they were a little too crazy. Though there was, I will say, the last one before. I, I know they're remaking it, but the last one. I'm sorry. There's a sequel. The last one, you were the president when you started, and that was kind of funny. Yeah, well, you're like, like you're fighting aliens and going to hell at a certain point. Like they really go off the rails yeah. on that series. Yeah, but like Deadpool could do that. Like I want the like super crazy. Like I know Rockstar would never do it, but like Rockstar's Deadpool would be awesome. 
Oh, sure. Uh, that would be my pick. Uh, all right, cool. So we'll be back talking movies next week. We'll come back to games at, uh, at some point. But uh, next week, um, I will be talking about Nope. Oh. So that will be something to look out for. And uh, yeah, there'll be more to do then. So until then, we will see you at the movies. And hopefully we will uh, see you at the arcade. Sure. Oh, right. Why not? It's a whole topic we didn't get in there. Yeah. Indeed. All right. Bye, y'all. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment content.